Hello and welcome to episode 8 of Cutting It Close with Cliff Bailey. Eight episodes, one episode a week. We're at two months now. Yay! Now, if you want to get a version of this podcast where it's just me introing the episode and getting right into it, then uh, I have to do is subscribe. Five bucks a month on uh, patreon.com slash phazonmedia. Uh, otherwise, you're going to hear me talk about more of this stuff. Uh it is brought to you by this uh, podcast by Phazon Media, my very small uh, yet powerful production company, uh, where I specialize in online content for your business or your personality. I uh, do video production, uh, motion graphics, audio production. Uh, if you need voiceover work, announcing, I can even MC a public event for you. I've uh, done that a time or two in the last couple of years. I'd rather enjoy that. That's a lot of fun. Uh, so, yeah, you can check that out at phaseonmedia.com. Also, brought to you by the good people at Blue Jacket Threads. Uh, that's Blue Jacket Authentic Threads, made by veterans and for veterans. It specializes in uh, Navy themed apparel. Uh, you can use the promo code Cut It Close to get free shipping on your first order. I've got all sorts of fun stuff. Uh, let's see. Oh, all collections. Let's take a look here. Uh, you get stuff that uh, features Navy life, uh, the Greatest Generation, World War II, uh, the originals, uh, original baseball caps, the Steel Beach collection. Uh, all the shipmates out there know what I'm talking about. Uh, there is also a special going on, a t-shirt, uh, where all proceeds go towards the, um, recovery of USS Fitzgerald's, uh, accident, uh, tragic mishap, where, um, unfortunately we lost, uh, seven, seven sailors in that. Uh, so, uh, check it out, bluejacketauthentic.com, all one word, bluejacketauthentic.com. Now, today on the episode, my first... Uh, speaking of veterans, uh, my first veteran guest, uh, Creighton Long. I uh, met this guy while we were both working at DPAA, or assigned there, I guess. Uh, he's he was a he was an historian. He was a, a hist and uh, whatever. He worked in the uh, research department, uh, researching cases of uh, service members who never made it home. Uh, from uh, could be from World War II. I think he specialized in World War II uh, or the Korean War. Um, Vietnam uh, and uh, other conflicts. I think that's I think that's it. Um, yeah, so we knew each other from there. Uh, he also starred in a movie. I am uh, wrapping up the Golem's Curse and uh, had a lot of fun doing that. And just had a really good time uh, talking with him on this episode. Uh, we talk about uh, our individual experiences in the military, why we both joined. Uh, why both got out because he just recently separated as well honorably discharged of course heading back to uh, Pittsburgh area and we talk about Pittsburgh dad a little bit and uh, accents regional accents I also get into uh, he's a uh, going to back to be a public school teacher he had done that before and uh, before he joined the army now he's going back to it uh, talk about our time serving at uh, DPAA the defense POW MIA accounting agency uh, he's really into history we get into that road trips tabletop games RPGs we really get into the nerd side here had a lot of fun talking about that sorry breathing into the microphone uh, also had a very interesting discussion on religion 
and uh, how he's uh, an atheist and uh, how I've had my own, how, how we both kind of evolved in our views on uh, religion and whatnot. Had a really good time talking about that. And uh, Star Wars. And he brought up a very interesting perspective I had never thought of. It makes, it'll make you listen, uh, it'll make you look at the uh, stormtroopers in a different light, I think. Especially in uh, Star Wars Episode Seven: Force Awakens. The Force Awakens, excuse me. So yeah, this is uh, kind of a long one. So uh, cue it up for a road trip or, uh, you know, digest it in chunks. That's what I do with my longer podcast episodes I enjoy listening to, uh, especially like You Made It Weird. I usually go for two hours or so. This one, I think, is is over two hours long, it, and it didn't seem like it either. Uh, so hope you enjoy this conversation with Creighton. Um, follow us on uh, Instagram at Cutting Close Pod, same as Twitter, I almost said Tweeter. Uh, Facebook, Cutting It Close, and then uh, the website, CuttingItClose.com. And, of course, if you are listening to this, I don't need to tell you, but if you haven't, uh, you can find it on iTunes, Stitcher. I uh, need to update the YouTube page, woo, and get those episodes up, uh, the past few episodes, including this one uh, up there. Um, but, yeah, two months in, having a good time. Um, just recorded another episode today. Jason Scott, a local uh, loan officer who's also an army veteran uh, had a, a really good discussion with him his episode will be up next week he'll be number nine so uh, looking forward to that and if you're new to the podcast please take a listen back to the the earlier ones had some really great discussions of some local filmmakers and actors because that's what i'm getting into is filmmaking uh, but also with the military background i i've met quite a few people who have very very interesting stories to tell so uh Thanks uh, for listening now, and uh, we'll see you next week. Oh, wait, this is like the closing? No, I'm just starting the episode. So, because we don't, I don't do the, the ending anymore. Um, anyway, enjoy this episode. Let's talk with Creighton Long. Uh, had a good time. Hope you do too. Did you ever listen to Nerdist or You Made It Weird? Uh, no, I haven't listened to this. I know of okay. Nerdist because. Yeah. Um, Chris Hardwick, he does a lot of stuff for, like, The Talking Dead. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'll watch that a lot. I'll always reference the Nerdist stuff. But Mm -hmm. I used to listen to Rebel Alliance. Rebel Alliance? Sorry, uh, Jedi Alliance. Oh, okay, okay. That was one of the Star Wars ones. Uh And what was the other one? There was another, like, Star Wars one that I would listen to. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Nothing really really too formal, but... You don't have to wear the headphones if you want to. Um, yeah, I don't really know what's going on, so you'll have to I mean, if you want to, it's, it's kind of fun, because then you can hear everything as it's coming through the microphone, but if they make you uncomfortable, sure. then by all means, take them off, and I'm still, I'm like, this is episode, it's going to be episode nine, I think, I think you're my ninth guest, and I'm still getting used to having the microphone placed correctly. After, so real close to the face, then? Uh, not super close. I, th- I can hear you pretty good. Okay. Yeah, yeah, you're pretty good. If I need to, I can turn you up over here. Whoa! <laughs> Isn't that fun? Um, so yeah, the, uh, I started listening to Nerdist like uh, right before I enlisted, actually, mm-hmm. and um, I, I just loved the format. And then got into You Made It Weird with Pete Holmes about four years, three years ago. Oh, that's Pete Holmes. Yeah. Okay. And um, just uh, I've I've loved the format. I've always wanted to start my own thing. And you know me, I like to make stuff. Um, <laughs> and uh, finally, I've been able to start on something that I can follow through on and complete. <laughs> you know. Are you- are you still manner. doing the? Are you still doing the podcast with uh, what was that? Your high school friend or oh, something? Yeah, the one yeah. with the movies? Because I, I listen to a few of those as well. Oh no, kidding! Um, 
no, that, that fell fell apart, unfortunately, with okay. like time differences and stuff. Yeah, that's because he's back on the he's east on the coast. east coast. Yeah, yeah so, that's, so that's a that's a bit much. Right now, it's a six hour time difference <laughs> on yeah. daylight. Whatever this is not for them, then it's a five hour time difference. Right. Yeah, I know. Being from Pennsylvania, I know all about that. So. Oh, right on. Right on. Where are you from in Pennsylvania? Pittsburgh. Pittsburgh. Well, uh, about like an hour outside Pittsburgh. Okay. Um, my mom grew up in Pittsburgh, and her family still lives there, and now she lives there. In Pittsburgh? Uh, in not, the city? No, sorry. Uh, in Plumborough. Okay. So that's... I've, I've, I've been to Plum, because I think for a few high school sports, we would play against them. Oh, okay. If not in the regular season, at least like in playoffs. Mm-hmm. So we would... So like, I've been up there a few times, but I don't know the area that well. Okay. Okay, so she lives like just like that's like just outside the city, pretty much. It's not, I, I think it's not so. Too far. I don't I don't know which geographical direction it is. Uh, I was there a, uh, two summers ago now uh, with the uh, a VFW convention that we represented DPAA. Oh, really? Yeah, and so I got a chance to go up and, and see her. Oh, then. yeah, because um, shoot, we had those guests there. Like, the, the, it was like the president of the VFW, and he was from that area that came, and I was the driver for that. Oh, no kidding. I'm not sure if. That's like the same. If that was related at all, uh, well, we had a VFW. Well, it was two summers ago. When did you do that? That was that was back when we were in the trailers. Oh, so that might have been about the same time. I don't know. Well, well the, there, I, the uh, president or was it? VF, no, I'm pretty sure it was because I don't think it was American Legion. I think it was VFW because he was familiar with the Greensburg chapter. Okay. Which I have an uncle that served in the first Gulf War oh. who belongs to that chapter. And I remember asking him, like, do you by any chance know uh-huh. this one total ra- random guy? Right, right. But he didn't know him, but... Uh-huh. Yeah, I think it was VFW. Okay. Frank does a lot of stuff with those guys. Yeah, yeah. Um, so, yeah, I don't know which way Plumboro is, but, yeah, I got, I got to actually drive because the last time I was there before two years ago, I think, was when I was, like, 16 or so. So I was, I was driving... So I remember driving up. It was for Christmas, but I hadn't been there. So I guess that was about 16 years ago. <laughs> Where were you driving from? Uh, from Pittsburgh. From Pittsburgh to... To Plumborough. To Plum. Oh, okay. I guess we could look it up on Google Maps if we wanted to, but... Yeah. <laughs> it's not that far. It's, like, right around the city. Kind of, yeah, yeah. 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 If you're from Plum, like, you usually just say Pittsburgh if you're outside Oh, the okay. Gotcha. Like, I'm, I'm an hour outside Pittsburgh. Okay. But, like, I still say Pittsburgh when anyone asks just to, like, get that yeah. geograph. Because, like, no one really knows of Latrobe unless... You're into like a few like like Fred Rogers was born there. Oh no kidding. Uh, Arnold Palmer hmm. was born and grew up there and he okay. lived there until he died. Cool. And we've also got the Steelers yes. summer training camp. Uh-huh. Birthplace of Banana Split and Birthplace of Professional Football. Nice. All in late trip. So we've got a few things, but like very like trivia esque questions like sure, where is sure. it where was the birthplace of the banana split? Uh-huh. Late trip Pennsylvania. Ding. Got really? It. Yep. That's cool. We got a cool little like plaque for it and everything. It, it became official, I think, like six years ago because there were a lot of like just like anything else a lot of towns Mm. were vying for like no we had the first banana split Mm -hmm. but I guess we had like some indisputable evidence or something that they (laughs) were like yep they trove you get it so now we've got like a big plaque and a whole bunch of stuff for it downtown and what's the name of the town again? Latrobe L-A-T-R-O-B-E L-A-T-R-O-B-E okay I'm gonna maybe link to that home of banana split yeah that's pretty cool we got a couple things uh being from Pittsburgh are you familiar with Pittsburgh Dad? Yeah, yeah, he's funny. I don't watch yeah. him all the time. Uh-huh. Usually, it's just after like Steeler or Penguin games. I'll usually uh, okay. tune in to see what he has to say, especially like I mean, Steelers are the big one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but I, I'll usually chime in to see what he has to say about that stuff, and uh-huh. I'll, uh, a lot of my friends give me crap about like the like Yinzer addiction. <laughs> yeah. And so like, because I do a good job of like fairly hiding it, mm-hmm. just because there's a lot of like pronunciations or words I try to pronounce correctly. Sure. Yeah. <laughs> like instead of saying like down by the creek it's a creek okay yeah 
instead of a jagger bush, is like a thorn bush or something. But there's like little like local diction things that most people aren't super familiar with. So uh-huh. I try to make it easier for everybody. But anytime they're like, "Oh, you have a Pittsburgh accent," like I don't even know what that sounds like. I'm like, "I got you, Pittsburgh dad. That's that's <laughs> yes. Yinzer language right there." Absolutely. Go downtown and watch the Stillers. <laughs> yeah. Um. Cause yeah, I I started I I used I usually watch them for like movie reviews because I love the way you know the the dad has this obtuse view of modern day movies or whatever. Yeah. Um. And then when I was actually there a couple years ago, and uh, the valet who was parking our car started talking, I was like, "Oh my god, Pittsburgh dad! <laughs> <laughs> you sound just like him." It was amazing. It was yeah. so cool. Yeah. Um. I have a similar thing. I'm from North Carolina, mm-hmm. and uh, most people say you don't have a southern accent. Um. And I don't. <laughs> um. But every now and then it does come out like i i have i'm completely at ease saying stuff like y'all mm-hmm. um that's pretty much it i guess or, or yonder um that kind okay. of thing over yonder um but then jen says it comes out every now and then and i know definitely when i have a few drinks uh it starts to come out a little <laughs> bit start too. to get relaxed yes and, you know uh do you remember colton donovan yeah yeah yeah, yeah you remember. he was in the yeah. movie yeah yeah mm-hmm. uh so he's from alabama no kidding yeah, because he, he, he hides his, he hides it like all the time. Huh. He doesn't sound like it. Uh huh. But he changed it recently. But his uh, voicemail, yeah, his little like you've reached the cell phone of, yeah. was straight up Alabama draw. <laughs> and it was, it's like I love it. It's so funny because it's it's such a credit to him that he has completely changed like uh-huh. his the whole way he speaks. Mm. But every time I call him and I like end up leaving a voicemail that comes on it always catches me off guard <laughs> unfortunately he changed it because i but i freaking love that i'm really sad he changed it shoot yeah we're talking about getting him on here too yeah. um yeah. let's talk to him about that because i yeah i had no idea so he hides it deliberately you hide yours deliberately too um kind of kind of like there's there's a few things that i change uh-huh. that i try to change so like pronunciation of words i usually try to change just so i'm not getting like weird looks so like i talked about like the yeah. crick and jagger bush sure, and like sure, wash sure. your car uh-huh how do you uh, use, pronounce r-o-o-t root okay is that a northern thing pittsburgh thing like i've heard or a midwestern thing i've heard a uh, root like r-u-t almost oh for root like a rut no yeah. i don't know rut. root 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 not rut but root Almost like, I mean, like, or our IT. Yeah, I only know it as root. Yeah, same here. Mm. Maybe it's a Midwestern thing. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Yeah, I don't know anything about that <laughs> one. But there's, like, certain words that we pronounce a little differently. Mm-hmm. Uh, like, some of the hard A's from, like, Philadelphia kind of have creeped over to mm. uh, Pittsburgh. Okay. But one thing that I can't fix is my speech pattern. Oh, Because okay. I usually talk really quick. Yes. Because people, I guess, <laughs> people from, like, the Northeast, like, we're in a hurry. We got things to do. We're busy conquering the world. Sure. Talk, 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 uh-huh. talk. Uh-huh. And that's something that I have a really hard time, like, slowing it down. Okay. And making it, like, able for people to understand. Yeah. So that one I've just kind of given up on. Like, yeah, I'm just going to keep talking fast. That's the way I've always talked. But when it comes to pronouncing certain words, I usually try to accommodate whoever I'm talking to. Sure. When I go home, it's, like, all, it's just, like, <laughs> just back to normal. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So you're head back to Pittsburgh uh, next Saturday. Yes. You're getting out of the Army. Yeah. So let's go back in time. How did you get into the Army? Uh, it's kind of a long story. Just like, I'm sure just like anyone else that joins the military, there's uh-huh. a story behind that. Just like I woke up one day mm-hmm. and decided to join the mm-hmm. military. Uh, I guess going back to the very beginning. So I grew up in a town called Ligonier. Okay. And there's a, uh, French Indian war fort, seven years war fort right in the town, Fort mm. Ligonier. Okay. And when I was little, we'd always go to Fort Ligonier days and I'd go to the camps and just being part of that, like martial military history mm-hmm. i always like when i was little, i would always play soldier okay. i always wanted to play soldier cool and then when i got older i got into like high school and college kind of was more focused on education mm-hmm. and then when it really 
came back was when the Boston Marathon was mm. bombed. Oh, okay. Because I was training for the Pittsburgh Marathon in 2013. Uh-huh. And that was the, the Boston Marathon was like the month or two before, if I recall correctly. I'm not sure exactly. Okay. Yeah, it was 2013. Yeah, I'm pretty yeah. sure of that. But it was like before the Pittsburgh Marathon. Okay. And we had that domestic terrorism incident and that kind of mm-hmm. brought a lot of attention back to it in a negative way where like we're not done fighting this fight. Mm. And it kind of got me interested uh, again into looking into the military. Okay. And then during that time, I was also struggling to find a full-time teaching position. I was a substitute teacher. I was mm. a coach. I was working at a homeless shelter, just working a lot of odd oh, wow. jobs just to make ends meet. Sure. And I realized that I'm not working full time anywhere. I'm not committed anywhere. Mm-hmm. I'm still young and fit enough to do this. If I don't do it now, mm. I think I'll regret it the rest of my life versus mm-hmm. if I do it even just for one term, mm-hmm. then I'll at least have that like checked off on my life. I serve my country and then I can go on. I can go back to teaching because sure. you can teach at any age, but serving the military, you kind of got to be <laughs> younger and fitter yes. to perform the functions. So. Yes. How old were you when you joined? I was 23. Okay. Two th- or, yeah, 23, uh, November 2013, I mm-hmm. swore in. Nice. Yeah, I joined when I was 31. So <laughs> it was definitely more of a challenge. It is a challenge still. I let him out, but um, yeah, I understand. So 23, okay, cool. And so I uh, got inspired, and was, was that the inciting incident then, basically? The, the, they said that's what got you thinking about it again. Was that, like, was that it for you, or is there more to it? Uh, I mean, there's always more to it. but Yeah, yeah. that was really what kicked off that train of thought again. Sure. Um, mm-hmm. But I the specific moment where I decided like, this is what I'm doing before mm-hmm. then it was just kind of like a playing with the idea of it. Right. But I remember I was at PNC park watching the pirates play mm-hmm. and I was with my family for a family reunion thing. Mm-hmm. And I was walking around the stadium and the national anthem came on mm. and it was like just this big patriotic moment. They mm-hmm. had the, some troops there doing the national anthem. Okay. And it was shortly after it was that same summer mm-hmm. as the Boston bombing. Sure. And I was like, you know what? let's do this. Let's go full hua. And <laughs> I started talking to a recruiter and before I knew it, I was shipping off to basic training. Wow. Awesome. Um, so was it always the army? Was that always it for you or did you ever consider any other branch? I did consider other branches. Mm-hmm. Uh, my family has always been in the army though. Both oh, my okay. grandpaps served in the army. Cool. Uh, my maternal grandpap actually was an MP in Hawaii. No kidding. At Fort Shafter, where I live now, nice. uh, during the cold during the uh, Korean War. Okay. We always say that he successfully defended the beaches of Oahu against the North Korean Navy. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> uh, so, and then my one uncle that served in the first Gulf War, he was in the army as well. So everyone in my family that has served, and there's mm-hmm. not a lot of us, but everyone that has served has been in the army. Oh, interesting. Uh, when I was looking, though, I was looking at other branches, just trying to keep stay open minded. Sure. And I was looking at the Marines first they were kind of like one of the first ones like they kind of that reputation of being the most strict the most hardcore i guess as a standard of all the branches Mm -hmm. and (laughs) it's stupid but the girl i was dating at the time we were looking at packets and she was like oh you should join these guys they have the cutest uniforms (laughs) and the way she said cutest Uh completely killed it i was just like nope can't do it can't take them seriously anymore right she could have said most handsome most striking Mm -hmm. best looking crispest nothing Right. She went straight up for cutest. So I was like, yeah, I can't do that. Nope. And then same thing with the Navy Whites. She saw the Navy Whites, and she's like, oh, those are cute, too. And I'm like, stop yeah. doing this. <laughs> You're killing these things for me. So then I just went back to, like, you know, just do the Army, do the basic, like, mm-hmm. biggest branch, be yeah. a part of the biggest military community. And sure. I haven't regretted it. Nice. And it's the oldest, too, right? Mm-hmm. Yes, yeah, the original, yeah. 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 
Very cool. Awesome. And so was this um, one enlistment, two enlistments? This was one enlistment. I'm finishing up my first one now. Okay. One and done, huh? Yep. Right on. When I when I joined, I was toying with the idea of making like, it a career. Sure. Uh, but my my intention was do one term, mm-hmm. go and then go back to teaching. Mm. Use what I learned in the military. Use my experiences to become a better teacher. Use mm-hmm. that to uh, hopefully get into a school, get my own classroom. Mm-hmm. And but like I said, I was open to the idea of making it a career. Yeah. And. I decided to stick with my original plan, do one term, uh, switch over to the reserves, so I'll still be involved, just not active duty, and I'll be teaching while okay. serving as a weekend warrior. Nice. Very cool. Yeah. Um, man, I shouldn't have had that wine. Um, I'll switch to water for now. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, I was um, kind of similar in my, my uh, situation as well, considering uh, open to career possibility. I didn't really have a plan B, but um, my, my overarching plan was to try to figure out what to do with my life. Uh, so I just hit a point in my early, late 20s, early 30s that I, I didn't know what to do. You know, I was just at loose ends. I pursued, I, I felt like pretty much every valid path up to that point. And uh, I, I didn't know what to do. An old friend suggested the military. So I was like, that makes sense. Maybe I need to yield control to someone else <laughs> for a few years or something and figure out what the hell to do. Mm-hmm. And um, then, yeah, I got in, got, uh, you know, this assignment, you know, to, to JPAC at the time, JPAC. <laughs> and uh, it was amazing. It was amazing. And then it just kind of solidified my original, original plan to become a filmmaker, photographer, visual artist, I guess. Mm-hmm. Motion, well, visual artist, you think of painting. But, um, you know, storyteller, visual storyteller, I guess. Right. Which is kind of, what, never mind. Um, yeah, and so then... It just made sense, and then I met Jen, and uh, <laughs> I was like, I don't want to deploy away from her, and uh, yeah, so then just yeah, so kind of the same. Okay, I so guess. JPEG was your only assignment as well. Yes. Nice. Yeah, you yeah. Lucky there. I know, right? Uh, straight out of A school, and it was it was a total fluke too. I hope I haven't told this story on a previous episode, um, <laughs> but like it was getting towards the end of, of A school. I think is AIT. No, is it AIT for you guys? Correct. Okay, and for the Air Force because they're kind of an offshoot of you guys. I think it's the same. I thought Air Force had B school or something like that. I think that's. I think Navy only has the the letter schools. Oh, I'm not sure. I could be wrong because I have no idea about the Air Force. I've yeah. heard like B school before though. Oh, okay. So maybe I, maybe I'm just thinking like the letters from the Navy. Yeah. So. Yeah. Whatever. whatever. Same same. <laughs> yeah. Uh, we're getting towards the end of that, and our um, our chief was uh, calling us in to fill out dream sheets about where we might want to go, top three places, and mm-hmm. uh, no guarantee, of course. At the time, I was thinking I was gonna stay on the East Coast, try to reconnect with my family and stuff, and, you know, really in- integrate my roots. That's not quite the word I mean. But uh, enmesh. Like reconnect? Well, reconnecting, yeah. Well, just, I don't know, reestablish. Reestablish okay. my roots back on the East Coast, being close to home. Okay. Um, even though probably going out on a ship or whatever, and I was thinking somewhere in Virginia or somewhere, and there were a couple billets available, and then I saw this one at Pearl Harbor. No one knew what it was. It was this weird acronym thing, mm-hmm. and, and not a single person on uh, base at Fort Meade understood what it was. But I was thinking, oh, my gosh, Pearl Harbor. You know, that's so, like, fundamental to the Navy's history. And I had no clue it was still an active sea duty station, you know? I mean, mm-hmm. I had no point of reference for any sea station. <laughs> uh, sea station? I'm really screwing up my words here. <laughs> um Whatever, Naval Station. Yeah, Naval Station. Uh, I just had no clue uh, what, where any were. I knew there was, like, Washington, California, and Virginia, but it never occurred to me that Hawaii was still active. 
And so just like in the like last split second, I changed my mind and put my thing down for that. And then they did the invest- investigation. They, they looked into it and saw what it was. And then they called here, called me to make sure I was on the up and up because I was coming out in E3, then it was an E5 billet. Uh-huh. So uh, since I guess I was older um, and my instructors had good things to say about me, they uh, said, all right, come on board and stuff. And then the rest is history. Oh, nice. Yeah. How'd you get uh, this as a first assignment? Uh, we were in... Uh, myself and one other, Ryan. Yeah. We were in AIT together, mm-hmm. and one day after class, the instructor called us up to the back and just asked us questions about: Do we have a language? Do we are we do we have a orders to go to the language institute to learn a language? Hmm. Do we have any preferences of going overseas, OCONUS, or if we mm-hmm. want to stay stateside? And mm-hmm. there's just some very vague general questions of that order, mm-hmm. and. Then he started asking us about what we thought about going to Hawaii and mm. working for an, a, a, a command, joint command mm-hmm. called JPAC, and we had no idea what that was, and he had no idea what that is. <laughs> and just like you Crazy. and your chief, like no one knew what this command was. Yeah. So we went back to the barracks and started Googling stuff, and for some reason we couldn't really find anything. It very mm. wasn't very it wasn't very well publicized, mm-hmm. or we just didn't know how to look for it because right. we didn't know anything about it except JPAC. Mm-hmm. So one of the other instructors actually saw a documentary or something along those lines about a recovery mission of Vietnam that oh. uh, featured JPAC. Uh-huh. And he kind of gave us a real brief, like, what he understood of it. Mm-hmm. And I studied history in college. Didn't expect to ever use my history degree in the military. And I'm like, that sounds perfect. Yeah. I get to soldier and also use my history degree to bring back fallen heroes like this is a dream job for probably anybody Mm -hmm. especially someone who has a history degree actually applying it to such a noble mission right and uh we commit we said yeah let's let's do this Mm -hmm. uh got our orders showed up still had no idea what we were getting into and Mm -hmm. just hit the ground running uh and it was similar to your situation where ryan and i were two of the older guys in our class we Mm -hmm. both had college degrees we were both performing very well in the class and they decide you're probably mature enough mm-hmm. to handle this kind of uh, senior assignment. Right. And because I think we were both filling in like E5, E6 bills as well. So uh-huh. we were working up a pay grade, but yeah. they were like, we need some new guys and you guys might be okay at it. <laughs> and that's how we got to Hawaii. Nice. And you just put on E5, right? Yeah, I put on E5. Okay. Oh, uh, no, not just. Um, you just. I just saw your picture on Instagram of your award. Um, right. But it was earlier this year or last yes. year? January. January. Okay. Just the very beginning of this year. Okay. Kindy 5. Okay. So Six I'll have that later. with me when I go to the reserve. So. Hey, yeah. That's good. That's good. And you're, you are doing active, you said, weekend stuff. Uh, yeah. Active oh. reserves. Yeah. Out of Fort Meade, actually. No kidding. <laughs> yeah. Oh, cool. Yeah. It's a nice place. Yeah. Um, so what's... Uh, hmm. One enlistment, no combat no. or anything. Nope. Um and uh, I don't know if this is comparable, but, you know, I'm a sailor who never set foot on a ship. <laughs> um, like, have you ever found any kind of, I don't know, difficulty or challenges in, in interacting with other soldiers? Or do you, like, does that even, not even cross your mind? Or Not so much with the work we do. Yeah. Because the work that we do isn't, it's not really combat arms. It's not combat oriented. It's right. intelligence. Sure. Uh, and you can do the same kind of work. It's, it's different, but similar, whether you're in a combat environment or a peacetime environment. Mm-hmm. Uh, 
the working with other soldiers, some of them will kind of just like, like a friendly jab at you, call you slick sleeve because you don't have a deployment patch and uh-huh. kind of maybe go to someone more senior with more experience because when you're in the army, you're expected to fight. Fight. Yeah. And if you haven't done that, then some soldiers will kind of look at you a little differently. Like, oh, you're like, even though you've been doing this for a while, you're still a newbie. Mm. You still haven't deployed in a combat mm-hmm. role. So mm-hmm. you're not quite on par with the same, with someone who actually deployed this the same rank as you. Right. But those are rare. Most of the people that I've worked with intelligence wise, they've been around enough to know that combat experience doesn't make you a good investigator or sure. military intelligence professional. Right. Right. So a lot of people are able to overlook that, uh, but there is a lot of, I don't know what the right word is, almost like, it's not quite shame, but with mm. uh, a lot of the guys in the barracks that like I've hung around with, like none of us have deployed in a combat environment. Mm. And it's kind of disappointing. That's probably a better word. It's disappointing. Oh, okay. Because even though, so given deploying to a combat environment is a horrible thing that hopefully the fewer people that do that, the better, because mm-hmm. we don't want war and violence and all that nasty mm-hmm. stuff. But yeah. When you join the army, you join thinking that you're going to serve your country in that capacity. You think that mm-hmm. you're going to get that experience, that you are going to have that service. Yeah. And all during basic, all during AIT, you train, train, train as if you're going to experience combat and you have this high level of intensity, this high level of anticipation of, okay, if this happens, I know how to handle this situation. Mm-hmm. When the bullets are flying, I hope I can handle myself and do what I'm supposed to do. Mm-hmm. And then to go three years after that, and never have that experience. It's like you build yourself up to it and then you never quite get it. Right. Even though I wouldn't trade what I've done with JPAC and DPA for mm-hmm. any level of combat experience. Right. There's still a level of disappointment that uh, a lot of my peers and myself have felt about training up for this and having this, uh, an ambition almost. I can't think of the right word for it. Well, like getting like this a, expectation a, that I will be called up to do this job because that's what I'm trained to do. Right. And then you never get the call. Mm-hmm. It's like a, if you play baseball or something and you've been training all season. You sit the bench And all then you year. ride the bench yeah. during like the whole season and the playoffs. And you're mm-hmm. just like, I, like I'm here if you need me, but you don't <laughs> need me, which is good because yeah. the less stuff we have going on, the better. But mm-hmm. you still have this level of like I worked for this and now I'm not getting called up to mm-hmm. do what I've been trained to do. Right. Right. If that makes sense, that, no, like, absolutely. that, that level of disappointment. Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, yeah, I experienced uh, something similar, you know, training in boot camp, you know, to be on a ship in case, you know, we get, uh, you know, attacked or whatever, just, you know, life on a ship, how to be on a fire team, blah, 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 blah. And then, yeah, I get sent to Hawaii and deploy to take pictures. Yeah. <laughs> Which, uh, you know, on one hand sounds really lax and, you know, compared to folks I went to school with and went through training with, you know, it mm-hmm. is. Because I, I remember thinking when, when I first got here, going to sleep on my and at the time I was in the barracks in a bed and you know ceiling like you know 10 feet high or whatever and imagining my friends on ships with you know <laughs> six inches right and then I was like oh my god I whew, I either got really lucky or or something you know so yeah. uh, just a different kind of experience yeah yeah different, different uh, unique challenges to match mm. the, what you were assigned to do yeah yeah and honestly um you know, for me, I wasn't too disappointed. I was, I was pretty happy. Uh, <laughs> but uh, there's, there's worse jobs to have. <laughs> there are worse jobs to have. Uh, but I definitely understand um, what you mean. Um, well, if nothing else, from the baseball analogy, when Little League played baseball, and <laughs> I forget the pity <laughs> positioning. <laughs> yeah, go sit out in left field. No one hits the ball over there. Yeah, we're, we're five runs in. It's the bottom of the eighth. <laughs> Bailey, you're up. <laughs> 
was like, all right, go Jay. Uh, <laughs> so yeah, so yeah, heading back into civilian life. Like, what are you? What, I mean, we don't have to just talk about army stuff, uh, military <laughs> stuff, but it is right. kind of interesting. Um, like, what are your feelings now as you're heading back into the civilian sector? I'm excited. I uh, committed to something bigger than myself, and I gave mm. almost four years of my life to uh, a national cause, and mm -hmm. now I have the opportunity to go back, take what I learned in the military, and apply it to uh, being a history teacher, moving back into the civilian side, mm -hmm. and definitely feel a lot more mature, a lot mm -hmm. more experienced, and even more confident. Mm -hmm. uh, so I think moving forward, I definitely have a lot of advantages that I would have completely missed out on sure. if I had not made the decision mm -hmm. uh, to join the military. Yeah. It is going to be fantastic to be within driving distance mm. of my friends and family Absolutely. versus a $1,000 12-hour flight back yeah. to Pennsylvania. Uh-huh. Uh, <laughs> that's like one so, way, right? Thousand uh, no, that's round trip. No, $1,000 round trip is like a 12-hour flight one yeah. way, including mm -hmm. layovers or whatnot. But yeah. now I'll be able to drive two hours and visit family in Baltimore or Absolutely. drive a little farther and go to Delaware and see people. Mm -hmm. It's just like this is like I can drive and see people. I don't have to get on a plane anymore. This right. is amazing. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, you can go on road trips. Yeah. yeah. Can't do that in a while unless oh you just want to do like a half-hour circle around the island over Ex and over it, and over yeah. again. Yeah, that was the one thing I, I started to miss like within a year or so I was like I'm on an island I can't drive anywhere uh, it's only to the big island and that was nice mm -hmm. you can definitely do road trips there yeah um, I actually got giddy going home on leave and doing road trips yeah because last time I was home on leave I drove up to all over Ohio Maryland Virginia Delaware I was all over the place I'm just like I'm driving for more than an hour and I'm seeing different things <laughs> exactly <laughs> yeah yeah when Jen came to North Carolina with me the first time in Christmas uh, 14 uh, we uh, went to North Carolina and after Christmas drove up to New York to visit her brother. Yeah. And so that's the first time I think she had been on a road trip like that. And first time I'd been on one in a while and she had never been in so many States, like so close together, you know, at once either. So it was a lot of fun. Has she always been in Hawaii? Uh, yeah, she grew up here. Okay. Yeah. But she has traveled. Um, like when we first, well, first started talking, she was telling me about places she visited. I was like, I've been on missions there, like <laughs> Vietnam and, Cambodia and stuff. She oh, just, cool. you know, went there to, you know, see the world. Okay. That kind of thing. So, but uh, nothing like road trip wise. No, not, nothing I from don't, like South Carolina to New York. No, I don't. That's got to so. be a long drive. How yeah, long, North how Carolina long that was North Carolina. Uh, a little shorter then. <laughs> yeah, a little shorter. Yeah. Uh, we did a. Um, we went drove from Raleigh to D.C. for an overnight and saw some of her family there, mm -hmm. and then got to see a couple of the monuments and stuff, and then from D.C. to New York, and so I guess it was four hours each leg. So she. So this was during Christmas, right? Yes. Was that her first time seeing snow? We didn't see snow. No snow. I think she has seen snow though, like oh, okay. in in Europe uh, or somewhere. Um, but yeah, no snow. Oh, that's unfortunate. Yeah. It was unfortunate. Yeah. But I got I got robbed of snow last time last this past Christmas because mm. it was an awfully warm winter. Yeah. I was home for like two weeks and didn't see any snow. I was yeah. devastated. Yeah, and we we went back. This is our second year to go back because we do we alternate years and we went drove up to the mountains. Hopefully to see snow. No snow. What? <laughs> Plenty of nice trees and stuff, but no snow. Yeah. Mother Nature, get your crap together. I know, right? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, so let's see. So you're getting ready to go head back. You're excited. Um, yeah, I was I was an English teacher for a minute uh, before I joined, and it was kind of a control disaster. It's <laughs> uh, like I had the, the confidence and the drive, but still lacked a certain something. And I feel like now, post Navy. 
Uh, and certainly post-joint environment, I would have a, a better experience, a better go. So I can only imagine um, with you as that, your passion uh, mm-hmm. would, uh, would add to it. Because you got the cool stories, too, you know? Because you've been downrange a couple times, right? Yeah, I've been to Solomon Islands four times. Okay. Uh, two of those just on Guadalcanal, mm-hmm. and the other two we went all around the other provinces. So awesome. Seeing different battlefields and mm-hmm. talking to local chiefs about the history of the area. I've got some, I've got some cool stories from my students. I'm looking forward to... I, yeah. hope they, I hope they actually care and are curious, or else I'm going to have you just sit me like, you guys want to hear about my stories? <laughs> no, Mr. Long, we don't care. <laughs> all right, cool. <laughs> Fine, let's talk about Caesar. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, that's cool. Um, so what got you into teaching then in the first place? When I was in high school, I was going through, uh, like, adolescent, teenage mm-hmm. problems. Of uh, course. Plus a few family issues on the side. Mm-hmm. And I had a, uh, he was my soccer coach first, and then he was my history teacher as I moved up the grades. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then he was also the one who got me into uh, tabletop wargaming. Ah, and so he was just a very uh, comforting figure. He was someone that was always there and really uh, gave me a lot of respect and kind of helped build me up mm-hmm. uh, when I was going through a tough time. And the positive effects he had on me mo- made me want to do like- likewise. Wanted to, wanted, it made me want to be in the same position where I can help another uh kid when they're going through a tough time help them push through and mm-hmm. reach a better potential yeah from time to time on facebook i say this thing that says uh in different forms um be the person you needed when you were younger or something yeah. like that okay is that is that that's kind of yeah that's kind of reflect what kinda you like say? that like yeah i like he was what i needed and mm-hmm. i want to do the same i want to pay that for it i want to help someone else right uh by being in the same situation that's so awesome. from that point i knew i wanted to work with uh, kids, like uh, middle school, high school age kids, anything younger than that, I don't, I don't have the patience for. I fully admit that. Uh, <laughs> no I shame in that. Actually, subbed in an elementary school for two for two days in a row. It was a wow. computer class, uh-huh. and after day one, I was like, "This is this is a nightmare." <laughs> I, am, I haven't heard a complete sentence all day. Oh, jeez, <laughs> this is terrible. And the second day, I'm like, "I'm just gonna," because it was a two day assignment. I'm like, "I'm just gonna get through this," and I did. And I'm like, "Nope, never again." Sorry, I, this is not my skill set. Mm. It's not my comfort zone. Mm-hmm. Not for me. I'll let people stronger and more patient than I am handle this. I'm gonna go talk to the kids that actually know how to make semi full sentences. Right, right. <laughs> hey, learning experience, right? Yeah, gotta learn your limits. Yeah. So yeah. That, that was definitely one of my limits. Just mm. not for a whole day, at least. Yeah. And tabletop wargaming, like, is that like Warhammer stuff or? Exactly. It's exactly uh, like Warhammer. Uh, what I do, though, is I do a little bit of fantasy, mm-hmm. uh, like Dungeons and Dragons, of course, but mm. a few, fa- like, I'll paint some fantasy models just because they're fun. But mm-hmm. what I really focus on is the historical okay. gaming. So yeah. I do a lot of, World War II is my big one. Okay. So painting German, uh, Russian, American, British, all the different factions and mm-hmm. using those for the tabletop games, but. Sometimes uh, after painting so many Germans in field gray and Americans in khaki, it's just like, I want to paint some Vikings in, like, some cool armor <laughs> and colors. And so I'll go off and do some one-off, like, mm-hmm. Viking or some Greek warrior or something. Mm-hmm. Just do something a little more colorful. Yeah, that's cool. Um, what do you think the draw is to World War II? Because it is, like, so prevalent in, like, pop culture, you mm-hmm. know, let alone, like, historical or, or regular society. Um, 
Yeah, there's like uh, all the war movies, TV shows, video games. Mm-hmm. Hitler's a zombie. <laughs> um, Nazis are vampires. You know, like all kinds of variations on this. What do you think the draw is? Why not World War One, or you know, why not Gulf War or War on Terror or something like that? I think it has to do with the idea of good versus evil. Mm. That which is kind of an immature idea that there is like a pure good and a pure evil in the world. Sure. Trying to avoid like different perspectives, but. Mm-hmm. With most of the wars, uh, most of the modern wars, you don't have that clearly defined mm-hmm. black and white. Mm-hmm. Uh, so for Vietnam, for example, mm. America was so against that during the time that yeah. people really don't want to romanticize that war. Mm-hmm. Uh, usually you get a lot of really powerful anti-war movies like uh, Full Metal Jacket. Mm. Uh, what was it? The, was it Armageddon? The, it was or the... Uh, platoon? Platoon, but there was the other one. It was the, it was based off the Apocalypse Now. Apocalypse Now, yeah, yeah. that one. Armageddon is Bruce Willis on the asteroid. Yeah, okay, I got the A at least. There's, <laughs> yeah. there's an A in there somewhere. Hey, a for effort. A for <laughs> same letter. Yeah, so you get a lot of these like anti-war psychology movies based on that time period. Yeah. Uh, huh. With the Gulf Wars, you still have a little bit of negative feelings to it, such mm-hmm. as like Jarhead, because mm. uh, there was a lot of this big build up to like the greatest war ever with the. It was like the two largest armies in the world, mm. and it was just over in like two weeks as the air force just blew them out of the water. Uh. And so you don't have that exciting good versus evil mm-hmm. uh, story to it. Mm-hmm. Same thing going back to like World War One. Mm. Uh, all quiet on the Western Front. All, yeah, again, because uh, it was a very and, like there was so so much bitterness after the war with the lost generation, entire mm. villages of young men getting wiped out mm-hmm. uh, at the Somme, at the Battle of the Marne, and all these different battles. Mm. And in the end it really didn't lead to anything. It was told to be the war to end all wars and it was <laughs> the ultimate thing. And yeah, yeah. Guess war what? To end all wars. Haha, <laughs> just kidding. Yeah. Manhattan but, Project is like, hold my drink. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Don't worry, I got this. Yeah. <laughs> but you, hmm. even the people that fought, they didn't know what they were fighting for half the time. They were just fighting because they had to or they got drafted and mm-hmm. it didn't really settle anything and the cause of the war was really silly. It was just all the different alliances. Like one... Hmm. Like, Archduke Ferdinand got shot, and now Germany is fighting Britain. Mm -hmm. How is that related? Because of alliances. And Mm -hmm. so it's not really that... You don't really have that same good versus evil that you have in World War II. You have an established figure, Hitler. Right, and they were doing nasty stuff. Yeah. Nazis were not super awesome people. Yeah. And during that time, it was a very... Same thing with, like, on the Pacific Front. Mm -hmm. You hear the rape of Nanking and a lot of Mm. horror stories from the Japanese military with... POWs mm, and civilians, mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. you certainly mm-hmm. have a much stronger case for good versus evil. Yeah. And I think because it was a much simpler war in regards to who the enemies were, mm-hmm. American uh, entertainment tries to go back to that to give the American public the idea of, like, this is black and white, this is simple, you can appreciate mm-hmm. this good versus evil. And yeah. I think a lot of it has to do with, uh, as well, the how difficult of a time we are now with where the real enemies are we are we fighting against uh religious extremism but we also have religious extremists here at home Mm -hmm. can we trust the government or is the government playing us and you have a lot of confusion on who we are and what as a nation we stand for yeah and i think media tries to tie in that that simpler in air quotes time sure where people knew who the enemy was and it was a good versus evil fight Mm mm-hmm yeah, I was going to ask, as a student of history, like, what's, 
your perspective is uh, on our current climate because you mentioned alliances of World War One, and there's mm-hmm. all, there's talk about you know like with North Korea and our alliance with China, um, as tenuous as it may or may not be, depending on who you ask. Um, and then you know the whole thing with Russia and their ties with Syria and our kind of uh, love it or hate it whatever relationship with with Russia and mm-hmm. um, that kind of thing. Yeah, so what's what what's what's your take on that, would you say? And I know I'm not coming at you like as an <laughs> as an expert or anything. I mean I'm certainly not. I right. I, I don't I just know most of what I hear like from um I'm one of those people who get their news from Facebook or, you know, <laughs> they go to BBC.com sometimes, mm-hmm. CNN and um last week tonight, of course, uh, John Oliver. Uh I I try to get a broad thing, but you know, at the end of the day I don't I hate to say it, I don't really care. I hate the petty stuff. I hate the politics stuff. Yeah. Um, but that's as, why I go to the BBC for all my news. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, as but I like to laugh too, which is why I watched last week tonight. Um, of course. And uh, as I get older, though, and especially after this time in, in the Navy, uh, I can see how more of it affects me uh, personally, and then now my family. Yeah. So I am <laughs> starting to care a little bit more, but mm-hmm. still, most of what I get is from those very broad sources and you know with the whole thing like who can you trust who can't you trust you know i just end up going with my gut kind mm-hmm. of if that makes sense yeah so that qualifier and i understand you know you're you've, you've got a degree and you've got experience you know, not a professor or phd or whatever but i don't think you have to have that necessarily i mean you do got to respect <laughs> don't want to be an anti-intellectualist definitely not that either but anyway you creighton as you are <laughs> mid-late 20s um degree time in the army what's your thoughts on the current climate i think that you mentioned earlier like a comparison to world war one yeah i think the world learned a lot from those petty uh, alliances where hey if you go to war we got your back because mm-hmm. they saw how destructive it was and how it quickly it got out of hand mm-hmm. and hopefully the world leaders haven't forgotten mm-hmm. the lessons that we should have learned from that right and i feel that at least all the other world leaders. Oh, yeah, at least all the other world leaders. <laughs> There's some smart ones out there, I'm sure. Yes. Look, I'm still looking for him, but I have faith. Yes. There's some out there. <laughs> Maybe he'll get elected. Oh, wait. <laughs> Whoops. Oh, I feel that the current situation in the Middle East is approaching more of a Vietnam War mm. climate where the U.S. and Russia aren't directly exchanging blows. Mm-hmm. Uh, Instead, it's, hey, we support this tribe and we support this militant group and they support this tribe and they support this faction of the government. Right. And we're just letting them kind of duke it out. Mm. And we're just giving them the means to do so. Ah. And which is probably for the best because like (laughs) Vietnam and Korea, Mm. you don't want the two big superpowers actually going to direct blows when it could escalate from a small conflict in Syria to... Russia taking over Ukraine and then NATO getting involved and then everyone's yeah. like, well, let's just nuke each other. Yeah. Which is the, the, uh, what was the, what's the term for that? I'm being a horrible history major, but it's like that idea that uh, mutual destruction. Oh. Mm-hmm. To avoid mutual destruction, mm-hmm. Russia and the U.S. aren't going to directly fight mm-hmm. because it's just, could possibly lead to one or both leaders saying, all right, screw yeah. it, this is game over. Boop. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Launch the nukes. Mm-hmm. And I see it's more of like a proxy war similar to Metal the Gear. Viet- the Vietnam. Oh, such, such as what? Metal Gear. Oh, sorry. sorry. Unfamiliar with that. Video game joke. <laughs> okay, good. <laughs> um, terrible reference. But yeah, so hopefully it doesn't evolve into a similar catastrophe like World War One, and mm-hmm. hopefully it stays. Like, hopefully they just stop fighting tomorrow. That'd be awesome if they could all just suddenly get along. Yeah, right. Which isn't going to happen, yeah. but we can, we can all hope. Yeah. Um, 
Okay. Yeah, the... the yeah. <laughs> I feel like that pretty much sums it up mostly. Right I'm on. not really sure how, what else, how else to expand on that. Yeah, well, that's fine. Just trying to be current and relevant on here <laughs> for yeah. once. Um, no, no, no. Have, what, no. Okay, I'm just talking. But that's all out depressing. Of my butt. Let's talk about something fun. Let's talk about something fun. You're into nerd stuff. I am into nerd stuff. That's awesome, but not well. Video games? Because you don't know Metal Gear. I have only played Metal Gear up to number two. I am an Xbox, Xbox child. Okay. So I grew up with the uh, different a few early Nintendo products, and then the Xbox came out. Okay. And Wait. That, when were you born? Ninety. Ninety. Oh, jeez. Yeah. So you're just on the. Oh yeah, Super Nintendo was just coming in. It was, it was it would have been at its heyday when you were younger. Super yes, we Nintendo. had. I can't remember exactly which console it was, but we had. We had one of the Nintendo. Sure. And then we got the N sixty four. I I very fondly remember the N sixty four. That was my elementary. Nice. Uh, years uh-huh. spent not studying. Okay. And then Xbox <laughs> came out when I was in. Yeah, was... late elementary school. I think, maybe eighth grade, junior high. Xbox came out. What was that? Was that early? That was early thousands, two thousands, or Should late? It wasn't late nineties. No, it? it wasn't late nineties. It couldn't yeah. have been because I was still playing N six. I remember I was still playing N sixty four in sixth grade. Okay, I remember that. Gotcha. <laughs> yeah, cool. Okay. Um, well, shucks, I, I'm not an Xbox player. I played Halo a couple times. There we go. That's hey. a good one. <laughs> I got creamed uh, every time I tried playing it, but it was kind of fun. Yeah, it's, I appreciate more for the social aspect because when I was growing up in high school, you didn't have Xbox Live or any of the online play. Hmm. So if you wanted to play with your friends, you had to have three to seven pl- friends come over with a, a separate TV and a separate Xbox and system link it. Land party. Land parties. Yes. Yeah. So you would have these groups of people just taking over basements, <laughs> drinking Mountain Dew and Doritos yep. and just having a good time. <laughs> now you can fun. just do it all online. And uh-huh. I think part of the social aspect is gone, which yeah. is unfortunate, but... For those of us that left home and moved to Hawaii, mm-hmm. at least temporarily, yes, the internet's a fantastic thing. Absolutely, because I can still game with my friends back in Pennsylvania or mm-hmm. Ohio, wherever they ended up. Yeah, playing online, we don't have to drive to each other's house and set up a LAN party. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, uh, and you mentioned D and D. I do. Yes. Did you grow up uh, playing that? I didn't get into that until I was in high school. Okay. Some of my friends from the we had a gaming club in high school. Uh-huh. That's where I got introduced to tabletop gaming uh-huh. and they were like oh if you like this you should come play D and yeah. went over and had a good time and kind of kept playing here and there mm-hmm. as the situation arose sure okay yeah i play. i didn't get into it after i uh graduated from college mm-hmm. and um played a couple uh campaigns and then uh star wars role-playing was a lot of fun mm. and i haven't played that one but i have looked into it a few times that's pretty fun it was the d20 system um yeah. And then I didn't play again until I got here. And on my first mission, uh, our medic, uh, Josh Stone, what's up, dude? Holla. Um, uh, he, was, he was our medic on my first mission and uh, really first military person to treat me like a human being, honestly, because <laughs> uh, I was a lowly E3. Um, right. But got back here, found out he was, he was into uh, Warcraft. And then okay. our anthro, uh, Nick Pasolacqua, shout out to that dude too. Um, <laughs> he was he was really into gaming, and so we started. Um, I think for a while there, uh, weekly stuff, and then it kind of fell away. Then we tried to bring it back, and then I just got busy with stuff, and I wasn't able to really do it again. And then um, got into it with the Golem's Curse. Yes. Yes. <laughs> uh, so yeah, I'm just just curious, you know, and you know, I don't feel pressure to answer a certain way or whatever. But you know, what what was that experience like for you? And for for the Exposition Golem's Curse movie, I uh, put together 
like the the pre-stuff last year, last February, March or so, and I approached you about it, and then uh, seeing if anyone else, and I think you recommended uh, Colton. Um, yeah, because you asked me if there was anyone that like, I played D&D with anybody that mm-hmm. might be able to take on the roles knowing the how the game works and the mechanics. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And uh, then got uh, John Huser involved, uh, local actor, and uh, Slotnick, of course, yeah. to play the golem. Um, yeah, what was what was that like for you? Was it um, was it fun, boring? I know it's, moments can be boring. It was it was actually a lot of fun. Yeah. I wish I was a better actor for you, and I apologize. <laughs> I'm sure you've done a lot of editing trying to edit around my poor acting. No, no. And my inability to <laughs> not read the script. <laughs> Uh, it was it was a lot of fun. It it was definitely a culture shock. Mm. So growing up, my cousins and I during the summer we'd all hang out and they had a video camera and we would make like stupid movies. Okay. Just like no like unscripted, just yeah. you're gonna be this character, you're gonna be this character. Someone filmed it and we would just run around doing stuff. Right. And we just had a, it was it was just a way to kill time. Sure. It was a lot of fun. Yeah. Because you didn't have like Xboxes back in the days. So you're like we have a video camera. Let's just make stupid movies. There and you that's go. exactly what we did. Nice. And I have. No acting. Well, that's not entirely true. I was in plays when I was in elementary school, and I was mm. terrible. <laughs> uh, but I don't really have any like acting experience when it comes to the level that you immersed us in. Oh, okay. So I had the script ahead of time, and I was like, "Yeah, I'll read it a few times." And I thought about memorizing the lines, but I think he gave it to us like a like a week or a few days ahead. Yeah, the timing was very very close. So I tried to yeah. get more of like the general flow of the script instead of mm-hmm. the actual verbiage. Yeah. Uh, but then going over to Josh's house and there's uh-huh. the boom out and the lights and you yeah. get different camera angles and having to redo scenes uh-huh. to get the different camera angles and yeah. it was in, it was intense it was because it was it was I haven't experienced anything like that before mm-hmm. so just that culture culture shock was uh, really uh, kind of made me like a little anxious because like it was it was mm. a different environment than I'm used to I wasn't mm-hmm. super comfortable with it just because yeah. it was new uh-huh. yeah yeah, uh, yeah but it was. We had a blast. I remember we, we laughed so hard. Oh, yes. I, I don't even want to know how many takes we ruined because we just couldn't get through certain lines after someone did something stupid, and it was just all uh, we would think about. Yeah. Uh, but, yeah, it was it was exhausting, though. Mm, yeah, I did not expect a... it. Like, I left there, and I was mentally exhausted sure. just from doing the lines over and over again mm. and having to pay attention. Actually, like, you couldn't just, like, zone out at any point because... Mm. I'm trying to think like even facial reactions of things that you got to be on cue with all those things. Mm-hmm. And you have to be emotional, even though you're not reacting. I think you're just reacting to lines, but you have to act yeah. like you're in shock or something. And mm-hmm. so trying to make sure you're doing all that right. Mm-hmm. was definitely exhausting to me. Mm-hmm. And then also the, the lights. Oh yeah. I'd never realized like how hot, those actors must be oh, and we yeah. were in like t-shirt and shorts and i was just <laughs> i feel like i was just soaked in sweat when we really were gone. oh yeah you didn't look like it hmm. <laughs> well i guess i hit it well but yeah yeah, was, yeah so like there was a little bit of physical exhaustion just from like being mm-hmm. hot and it wasn't until like the very end that it hits you. it really hit me mm-hmm. so i think we were pretty much done when i started the sweat to come down oh okay but okay. then it was just like a flood like whenever i left <laughs> i was just like dripping i was like oh my gosh thank goodness like my pores yeah clenched it shut until <laughs> we made it we until we called a called it a wrap yeah but it was a lot of fun i'm really excited to see what the final product looks like yeah i got nervous because you were trying to do it for a competition that was a couple weeks or months after we filmed it yes and then nothing we didn't hear anything about it yeah so we were like oh man did we do all that for nothing uh, and then yeah. i bumped into you a couple of months later and you're like no no i'm still working on it just for yeah. just for fun now i'll get it to you guys at some point and yeah i've been 
loving the trailers and the little teaser pictures and mm-hmm. stuff. So I'm looking forward to see when that'll be coming out. Do you have yeah. a timetable for that? I'm really shooting. I think I can make it by end of next month. Okay. Yeah, because like uh, we shot in March of last year, and uh, yeah, it was originally for um, uh, the My Road Real um, short film project or contest, and it's supposed to be like under like five minutes or three minutes or something. And at this point, uh, it's going to be about 15 minutes. Um, and I just, you know, I got the idea for it earlier in the year, about January, February, uh, when I was getting involved with the Hawaii Filmmakers Collective. And, and originally it was going to be kind of like a, a clerks type film where this dude just, his little brother, similar to what happens in the movie where he gets, you know, a book, don't want to spoil it, off of Amazon and he doesn't realize exactly what it is, ends up summoning a golem to like that follows him throughout his day and, uh, you know, what can will go wrong and haha funny and stuff. Uh, but then I forget exactly what shifted it to the D&D setting. I think just simplicity and, you know, one location um, instead of shooting like all over town or, or something like that. Um, but yeah, it was supposed to like, yeah, shoot it and then get it, like edit it. And honestly, I didn't know how I was going to do the golem effect <laughs> at that point. I had ideas, but not quite the execution. And then a few weeks later, my son was born. And that really, you know, kids can be a time suck. Yeah, I would, I would imagine. <laughs> a joyful time suck. Yeah, don't regret a single moment. But, uh, you know, getting, adjusting to life with, with a newborn and then uh, still the full-time job, you know, with the DPAA. And then starting to transition out of the Navy. And then transition into school. And then transition out of the Navy. And then try to finish up the semester of school. Then go take the family to North Carolina. And then uh, all that fun stuff. And finally, um, I feel like this, you know, taking, taking a year off, it kind of sucks. Because I, not just for the contest, because I didn't want to keep you guys hanging for, for too long. Mm-hmm. Um, which is why I tried to work on it every, whenever I could. Um, but after the time of getting out of the military, because, you know, don't regret joining. It was a great experience. Very grateful for the opportunities. But there's a certain mindset that comes with uh, military operations, especially creative ones. Like you, in in the, my film classes, being taught to not worry so much about limits or anything. You know, kind of be realistic with the resources you have, but dream big and just shoot for the stars. And military is <laughs> like, all right, we have to meet this deadline. Da 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 da. And you know, like big. You know, this is the standard. Meet the standard. Blah 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 blah. It's a little bit of a creativity crusher. Yeah, kind can be, can be. Um, there are those who. You do go above and beyond just because it's naturally in them. Me, I don't know. I just had a lot going on. <laughs> and, uh, yeah. So anyway, getting out of that, you know, being in, in these classes for a year, I've uh, really been able to approach it now this summer uh, more. I feel more freely and uh, I've been having a lot of fun uh, editing it. And it's really brought back a lot of memories from uh, that time. It's, I can't believe it's only been a year, you know? It seems a lot longer It seems ago. a lot longer. Uh, but... Mm-hmm. Uh, that's, you said March of last year. Yeah, it was last year. Yeah. Um, when we shot it. And, uh, that was a long year ago. I know, right? A lot has happened. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, it's just, you know, seeing the fun you guys were having, which was great. Uh, and I was, you know, I was at the time, I, I tried to enter into it, but I couldn't stay into it too much because I had to, you know, make sure everything was going as smoothly as possible because I didn't want to waste you guys' time. <laughs> Um, you had to wear your boss hat a little bit. A couple times. <laughs> yeah. But it was it was fine. Um, everyone, yeah, had fun. And that's yeah. that's the main thing. And we, I think we have a, a decent thing coming out of it. I don't know if it's going to 
I don't know, if, you know, considering some of the music I'm using, if we can enter it into any awards. Um, but, uh, you know, I think it'll definitely speak to its target demographic, mainly nerds, um, <laughs> folks who get into sci-fi fantasy stuff, Evil Dead fans, hint, hint. Um, yeah. But yeah, it's been a lot of fun uh, editing it, and I finally figured out how to do the golem effect um, through some character rendering and, and whatnot. It's going to be, uh, should be good. And I hope you guys enjoy it. Oh, I'm sure we will. <laughs> I think the the golem effect is what I was most curious about. Yeah. To see how, how that goes. Yeah. See what the final product looks like. It's, it might, you know, one thing I've had to get over mentally is uh, impossibly high standards for myself. Mm. Uh, that's something I've, I've dealt with over the years, just internally with uh, different issues and, and whatnot. Um, but just seeing it for what it is, bunch of guys getting together, having a good time, making a movie, trying to tell a funny story. Um, the effects don't have to be Hollywood level stuff. We're not, you know, <laughs> industrial light and magic. You know, I'm one dude who watches a bunch of tutorials <laughs> on the internet. Um, but, um, you know, once I got over that, I was like, okay, yeah, let's, you know, thinking back, you know, like a common criticism of movies these days is how fake CGI looks and how overused it is. And there's mm-hmm. a point to that. That's absolutely right. People get lazy and, you know, instead of just going to a, a cold location or getting somewhere where the AC's down, they always add in this horrible looking uh, breath, fog breath, mm. you know, just as one example. That's <laughs> one thing that's on my nerves. Um, <laughs> there's stuff that's just not necessary. Um, but uh, with this, you know, oh, what was my point? My point was, huh, in the, you know, before the advent of CGI, you know, peep, there would be uh, stop motion effects that were obviously pra- practical fake. Effects. Practical effects. Yeah, love practical effects. Yeah, yeah. I love the art that goes into it. Absolutely. It doesn't have to look the best, but the fact that they took the time to create this model and mm-hmm. have someone like, uh, like the rodents of unusual sizes in yes, Mrs. Bride. Absolutely. It's fake. It's it's so fake, but it's hilarious and yeah. it's adorable because like you know there's a little person running around in that <laughs> super hot suit. Absolutely. Yeah. So with that in mind, and we know when there were visual effects, you know they didn't have. You know, the advanced computers that they have now, but you know, you could tell there was something about it. And so I'm like, okay, I can lower my standards for myself a little bit. Mm-hmm. And I think it'll still be something that might look goofy, but of course it looks goofy. <laughs> and you know, not without being like lazy about it either. Like I'm going to do my best with it, but it's, it's not going to be, like I said, ILM level yeah. stuff. Cause you're just one dude working on it on your <laughs> laptop. You don't have a whole team of people. And right. Yeah. Stop motion suit or the, uh, motion capture motion capture suit so well and so we had that awesome uh, <laughs> vest made out of post office <laughs> the cardboard boxes. box yes armor yeah <laughs> yes the, that's gonna be the reference and uh, yeah but uh, it's been a lot of fun and I uh, uh, hope it uh, comes out as such so um, yeah what what else uh, what uh, what's what's your take on the state of modern movies hmm What's your favorite movie? Of all time? Yeah, if you have one. Personal, like, uh, guilty pleasure favorite, or what do I think is, like, the Ah, best movie? Not an easy question. Um, I'll just off the top of your head. My, my, okay, let's do this. My go-to movie, if I have downtime and I just want to watch a movie, Scott Pilgrim vs. the World. Nice! Love that movie. Yeah, that is a great movie. Underrated. Totally underrated. Absolutely underrated. Yeah. Uh, okay, um... What other qualifiers can we put on this question? Uh, what's the last movie you saw in theaters? I <laughs> re-saw Wonder Woman oh, Friday. 
But yeah, what do you think? I like it. I haven't seen it yet, so no spoilers. Okay. <laughs> oh, that'll be difficult. <laughs> I actually have stuff to talk about with that. Oh, shoot. Uh, I, I really liked it. I feel like it could have pushed a issue that is very strong to my heart when it comes to movies, something oh, yeah. that I always look for in... Uh, not just movies, but video games, like any kind of media, books, okay. comic books, anything like that. Uh, I feel like it could, it had an excellent opportunity to uh, address the issue in a very adult way, hmm. and instead it backed off and was a little inconsistent with it. Oh. Hmm. That aside, though, and a few plot errors, I thought it was a good movie. Hmm. I think it is probably the best DC movie of this generation of this era of movies mm-hmm. uh nolan's batman aside because i personally think those are fantastic <laughs> yeah love watching those yeah but with the uh ben affleck batman and the superman movies i think that wonder woman is definitely they need to hand the guide on off to her and be like mm-hmm. you're gonna be the center now because right. everyone loves you and this movie kicked butt mm-hmm. well they are um joss whedon is now heavily involved with justice league because Zack snyder had to step down due to some unfortunate very unfortunate circumstances um, but uh, Whedon is now stepping in. Uh, he was going to, I, my understanding is he was going to originally, <clears throat> but not in a, a very large capacity or mm-hmm. anything. But now with the success of Wonder Woman, uh, they may or may not be expanding his role uh, in, in reshoots. Isn't Justice League due to come out shortly? I think it's next year. Oh, is it next year? I think. Because they've been advertising it since. Or is it a. Or is this like a second Justice League? No, it's the first one. The first one? Only one so far, yeah. I thought that was coming out, because we've been seeing trailers for... When does Justice League come out? (laughs) It's just that theory. (laughs) Oh, Justice League Doom out? Ah, keep stalking! No! (laughs) When does Justice League come out? There we go. Oh, jeez Louise, yeah. It's all the cartoon movies, too. Oh. Ah, forget it. (laughs) But, uh, whatever. Um, It comes out soon, yeah. Okay. But yeah, they started they started advertising it like uh, super early because uh, okay. they want to catch up with Marvel, right? Yeah. So, um, yeah. Anyway, yeah. Maybe it is by the end of this year. I don't know. Now that is bothering me. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Because I thought it was coming out fairly soon. Not like this month soon, but yeah, like it's something we can look forward to in the next six months. Just but shoot, I may be wrong. I'm not tracking all these things. Yeah. And the biggest thing I'm gauging that off of is, like you said, how super early they started releasing trailers and ads for. Oh, it is this year, yeah. 2017. Um, they're trying to build the hype up as much as they can. Oh, it's in November. Oh, it's going to go up against Thor Ragnarok. Ooh. Yeah. Oh, that'll be tough. Yeah. I'm really the Thor's l- got a lot of momentum. I've... And not going to lie, the ads for Ragnarok yes. look fantastic. I know him from work! <laughs> <laughs> Me, every time I'm forced to go to a work function. Yeah. <laughs> mm, I don't know anyone here. You! Yes. You're from my shop. Get over here. Absolutely. Let's talk. Yes, yes. Um, yeah, I wasn't a fan of the first two, honestly. Like, the first the one... The movies? Yeah. Like, the first one was okay. I watched it with a girl and then wasn't really paying attention to the movie so much. Um, and then the second one, I fell asleep. Mm. Um, but, hey, I like the character in the Avengers movies. Yes. But his, move, his, his solo films just bleh. There's... They were fantastic. I think there were fantastic parts mm. in each of those movies, mm-hmm. but as a whole, I'm not sure what. I'm not sure what killed it for me. I think what, what, in my mind is dragging down that movie is how 
cartoony they try to make a lot of the side characters. Mm. Like, Thor's, like, gang of misfits. Mm-hmm. They, you have, like, very kind of, like, fantasy tropes. Okay. You have, like, the barbarian woman who is a, is a woman, mm-hmm. but she could kick your butt any mm-hmm. day of the week. You yeah. have, like, the big fat guy with the hammer, uh-huh. or the axe. He's uh, yeah. pretty much, like, a dwarf from Lord of the Rings. Gimli. Yeah, you have a Gimli <laughs> character. You have a... the skinny white dude that they recast in the second one with like the rapier Bad. he's like a uh, prince of thieves kind of character like a oh, okay. Robin kind of character okay and that's three who else do they have they have like the token asian like martial artist guy <laughs> yeah and i feel like they and like again like all their costumes are very and i get it's a comic book movie mm-hmm. but i feel like it's a little too mm. comic booky mm-hmm. uh because like and it probably has a lot to do with the comparison to the other characters because all the other characters are grounded in earth uh, in this realm. Okay. And so maybe that's a director's choice to try to separate the two, but it just seems really out of place when you put, like, the lineup of characters from Thor when you line them up with, uh, like, the Iron Man characters mm. or Captain America mm-hmm. characters. It just mm-hmm. seems kind of too out of place. Yeah. But, I don't know. It's probably just because it is from a different realm mm. and a different reality, but mm-hmm. I don't know. That always kind of was distracting to me. It's not. It's like they're maybe not so much as respecting the source, but trying to do their imitation of what they think the source is. Yeah, it's just like a brand new take on because mm. like it's comic books. Of course, they're gonna be like the original comics are very colorful, very yeah. silly looking, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and they're just trying to I guess modernize them up a little bit, but not to the point where it's completely like unrecognizable to uh, the original source material. Yeah. Yeah, one thing that kind of irks me, and maybe not related to this exactly, but whenever there's a, a fantasy film, period film especially, you know, it takes place not so far removed from modern times, uh, but they still, you know, use modern um, isms, like, uh, oh, this is going to hurt, or especially, oh my god, um, first time I really remember standing out is in uh, Fellowship of the Ring, not the beard! <laughs> like, seriously? Seriously. You know, and they they talk like you know with modern banter and and stuff like that. It's like no, come on, that they're they're in the time removed from time. They talk a certain. They don't have to be like the thou the blah 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 blah, mm-hmm. but they don't have to be you know super witty necessarily either. They can be clever, but not witty, I guess. Do you? Are, it sounds like you want more of a a knight's tale writing style. I guess. Well, like, it's something that's more true to the context, and and you know like if it's gonna be a film that takes take certain things seriously take it seriously uh instead of you know tongue-in-cheek we if it's a tongue-in-cheek film you know be tongue-in-cheek you know there can be moments i guess uh where uh something something uh, dark side i don't know um but by and large it just seems to be like they're, they're winking out the audience a little too much or thinking they're a little too clever for their own good or Something like that. Does that, does that make any sense, or is it just me? Am I just an old man over here grousing about I never really, like, noticed it, because when you're looking at those mainstream films like Lord of the Rings mm. you mentioned, mm-hmm. I think about it as the writer is trying to convey a message to the audience, and the audience isn't going to understand all the jokes and all the what's being discussed if they use language that your average American won't understand. Well, is the joke necessary in the first place? Like when they're escaping, you know, the Balrog and then the orcs shooting arrows at them as they cross the bridge of Khazad-dum, do there need to be jokes? 
Or could it be? Uh, I don't know. Yeah, did they need to be? Jokes oh, because like that's that. whenever. Oh, yeah, because Gimli starts falling down and yeah, Legolas and then grabs Legolas his beard. And he's like, like melt the beard. He's like, oh, ho, 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 melt the beard. What a funny. Never toss a dwarf, or you know. Sorry. Actually, that's in the books. Never toss a dwarf, and I'm okay with that because I remember it from the books. And even if I hadn't read the books, see, I didn't. Dwarf sorry, I, I didn't anything. see that as much of a joke and more of a pride statement, like establishing Gimli's character as like he's very proud proud like he's proud of his beard like don't touch the beard this is my beard or like you never toss a dwarf that's demeaning to us yeah stature yeah and i I get the like i never like i guess just personally i've never like i heard that line i was just like okay character like that's his character Uh i never really saw it as a joke but Mm. if you take it that way then yeah like that is a like if you see that as a joke then yeah that's not the best time for a joke this is a very Uh tense very serious moment you don't need humor at this point let's just appreciate the Tension. Yeah. Well, it's the same as like you know, not the hair or not the face. You know, not the beard. You know, mm. uh, maybe just that, that shows a lot of like, again, like all those lines kind of go to like their vanity or their pride, mm-hmm. which Gimli is very much about in his character. Indeed. Yes. He's a very proud son of a mm-hmm. dwarf lord. Yes. Yes. Okay. Okay. That's cool. That's just two different ways of interpreting the same line. Indeed. Yes. So, yeah. Absolutely. Yes. Beauty is in the eye of the beholder. Right? Agree to disagree. Oh, What's cheers. Okay. <laughs> all right. Ah, so, oh, hey, babe, what's up? Okay, all right, cool. She's going to get the stuff, the stuff up in KBA, man. <laughs> Perfectly innocent, um, home mom for the summer, <laughs> doing some extra money <laughs> for the house. No, just kidding. It's a playset for our son. There's always money in the banana stand. <laughs> in this case, the play set. <laughs> anyway. Uh, okay. So, let's see. Favorite go-to movie, Scott Pilgrim. Uh, uh, Star Wars. Yes. Star Wars fan? Oh, absolutely. Of course. You know that. Yes. <laughs> Just, you know, I want to establish that. Don't want to assume. Yes. Uh, I, Creighton Long, am a Star Wars fan. All right. There you go. Where's your card? A card? Oh, it's very nice. Too. I see. I yes, yes. I like it. I like the uh, Stormtrooper design. Yes. Um, why is he naked, though? No. <laughs> Just kidding. Appreciate his physique. Theater of the mind. Yes. Um, uh, so, yeah, with the resurgence, with uh, Force Awakens, uh, with uh, Rogue One, you know, and now The Last Jedi coming out, uh, mm-hmm. what are your thoughts on the current state of the wars? I've had time to watch both Rogue One and... Uh, or what was your first... Let's, let's go back a little bit more, actually. What was your first Star Wars experience? Like, how were you first exposed? Did you know Darth Vader was his father before you saw Empire? You know, that was so long ago, because mm. I've always... Like, I grew up watching Star Wars. Oh, nice. Like, I remember being maybe six, seven years old, uh-huh. watching Star Wars with my, uh, my younger sister and my two cousins. Mm-hmm. Uh... So I would have been, I was probably like seven or eight. Andrew would have been two years younger than me. And mm. both the girls were four years younger than me. Okay. And we would play this game, being stupid little kids, <laughs> where we would put on A New Hope. Okay. And we would act out every single scene oh my while gosh. it's on the TV. And we would all have our own characters. <laughs> That's awesome. I don't remember who was what, but like even the opening scene where the stormtroopers burst into the... Uh, the blockade runner and they're uh-huh. mowing down the rebels. Yeah. We would even act out that stuff. Like nice. every little scene we could act out. We did the same thing with uh, oh my gosh, that's great. Jurassic Park, The Lost World. Uh-huh. I distinctly remember when the trailer goes <laughs> over the cliff, we had this big couch at my house uh-huh. and we would all 
try to hang off the oh side. Oh my gosh. Like the characters are trying to hang on to the very bottom of the trailer when it's uh, hanging off. But yeah. That is my first Star Wars memory. Wow. I can't remember when I found out that Darth Vader was Luke's dad. Okay. Because it was that long ago. Sure. And I was probably too young to really like appreciate Get the whole it. thing. But yeah. I just... Yeah, everything Star Wars, like running around with toy lightsabers and blasters. And oh, man. With the little uh, action figures. And when Star Wars Legos came out, because ah. I was also a Lego kid, uh-huh. that was like the convergence of the two best parts of my life. <laughs> that was that was the symbol of my childhood. I actually nice. have a Lego X-Wing on my desk that's like, this is my childhood right there. Oh, that's great. <laughs> that's it right there. Wow. You had a golden childhood. I had a, yeah, I oh. grew up in the right time. And man. It's fantastic. Yeah. yeah. Huh. So what did the prequels do for you? I was, because what, Phantom Menace came out in 99? Yeah. So I was still a little kid. Uh-huh. Uh, I I enjoyed it. I wasn't super into Jar Jar, but I didn't hate him mm-hmm. the way adults hate him. <laughs> yes. Uh, I thought Darth Maul was the greatest thing ever. <sighs> yes. Because he was just the coolest. Like, he, he killed Qui-Gon Jinn. Mm-hmm. Like, one of the greatest Jedis. Mm-hmm. And he took on both Obi and Qui-Gon at the same time. Yes. Such an underrated character. Yeah. It's a shame they killed him off, but, oh, so cool. Mm-hmm. And, like, he doesn't, he says, like, one or two lines the entire movie. Just like Boba Fett. Yeah. There's, like, no lines. Just mm-hmm. some really cool action, and everyone loves him. Yes. Uh, but Phantom Menace, I don't remember too much about it. Mm. I remember I remember going to see it mm-hmm. with my family, because mm-hmm. it was a must-see. Uh, Attack of the Clones. Yeah. Mm-hmm don't remember a whole lot about that one because i think mm. it was just a very like easy to forget movie mm. but i do remember getting in line dressed as a jedi for revenge of the sith nice with uh, a couple of my friends because that would have came out in what 2099 uh, like 2003 2004 around there somewhere around there yeah so you were like middle school high school i would have been in late elementary school oh, i graduated okay. I, I graduated eighth grade elementary school oh four okay for me, uh, where I grew up, there was uh, elementary up through fifth grade, then middle school sixth through eighth, then high school ninth. Is that all public school? Yeah. Okay, I went to a Catholic school oh. until eighth grade, and then that's when the Catholic school ended. Oh. And you had a choice to either go to the Catholic high school, uh-huh. uh, which is uh, in another town mm-hmm. that, that fed into, mm-hmm. or you could go to the public high school. Okay. And I decided to go to the public high school. Well, let's go on a tangent here and come back to Star Wars. <laughs> um, no, 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 Star Wars. Okay. What, what was that like uh, going to a Catholic school? It was... And, like, what did... So, going to Catholic school, that's obviously mm-hmm. religious. Uh, right. was, was your family into that kind of stuff? Yes. My family was very Catholic. Mm-hmm. Uh, still are. Us kids, not as much. Okay. But there's, like, they still go to church. I'm probably the least religious of my family. Okay. Uh, when I came out of the closet theologically <laughs> as an atheist, I'm, I remember my family, my aunt and uncle that raised me, not really talking to me for two weeks. Oh, my. Uh, How old were you then? I was in college. Okay. And I sort of started losing my faith when I was in high school, Mm. Uh, but it was in college. And I I went to a Catholic college, Mm. so you can't say it was like public education that ruined me, Mm. because it was studying other religions Mm -hmm. that I sort of lost my faith. And uh, yeah, came out when I was in college, and they were like, that's that's not right. Oh, boy. Yeah, so that was not super fun, but they got Mm -hmm. over it. Mm -hmm. And now I'm a priester. I go to Christmas and Easter mass. Okay. With my family to save face. <laughs> Never heard that term before. Priesters. Nice. Uh, but yeah, Catholic elementary school was, it was a small school. Okay. Each grade had maybe two classrooms. Hmm. Uh, by the time you get to eighth grade, you usually are only down to 20 kids. Because mm-hmm. most everyone goes to the public uh, 
public high, the public junior high school starts in seventh grade. Yeah. So only so many people made it to eighth grade, which I was one of them. Okay. I'm very proud of myself. Only one of my family that made it to eighth grade. Wow. Ah. Everyone else bailed and went in seventh grade. Interesting. And yet they got on your case for being an atheist. I know, right? Yeah. Hmm. The nerve. <laughs> uh, let's see. It was, it was, it was, it was cool because you have a small, small school, so very mm. close knit. Sure. Uh, I still keep in touch with some of my elementary school friends, mm-hmm. just because you're, you only have, you only, you're only exposed to so many people. Yeah. So you get really close with those kids. That's awesome. Uh, uniforms. Ah. So you never had to worry about what you were wearing to school. Uh huh. The school told you what you're gonna wear. That's what I liked about the Navy. You <laughs> never have to worry about what to wear to work. Yep. People <laughs> are like, "Oh, should I wear these shoes or these shoes?" I'm like, "Boots." Yes. Boots and camouflage. Yes. Got it. Every day. <laughs> Every day. <laughs> Saves a lot of money on laundry too. Absolutely. Yes. So, but yeah, that. It, I don't know. Like other than that, it was it was probably just like any other school experience. Okay. So I think maybe that was the wrong question to ask, but uh, but that, it's interesting. Yes. Yeah, sorry. I uh, don't mean to disqualify that but i meant i guess i mean um want to get more towards uh what you said studying other religions mm-hmm. kind of made you uh drove you away from the catholic or drew drove whatever you i drift i drifted floated. away yeah, yeah yeah okay what what about that like what's uh, uh yeah let's see i think it came down to different perspectives and how different perspectives shape uh your religion mm. and going to like world history. So mm-hmm. one of the examples that I usually go to when I'm discussing this thing, like we're doing now sure. is, uh, are you religious first off? Cause I don't want to start. Oh no, I'm fine. All right, cool. Yeah. Excellent. Uh, I'll tell you my story after this. Okay. Yeah. So as Catholics, you're raised to believe that there's one God, right. Jesus mm-hmm. died for you. Mm-hmm. And if you don't believe in him, you're going to hell and mm-hmm. everyone else is wrong. Right. Everyone else is wrong. Mm-hmm. But, and as Catholics, you have your own reasons for the faith existing. You have the story of the Bible, mm-hmm. which was written through divine influence from God. You have the miracles and Jesus and resurrection and mm-hmm. the virgin birth and all this cool, like, religious stuff. Yeah. But every religion has their own evidence. Mm. Every religion has their own reasoning for everything. Even going back to, like the uh, ancient Aztecs, they had their own religion mm-hmm. and they had their own reason for believing in that religion. Mm-hmm. The Japanese and their Shinto religion, they have their own reason for believing in Shinto religion. Every yeah. religion has a reason to exist or else it wouldn't exist. Sure. And it's just always, like, and then studying all these different religions uh, kind of made me think, like, well, what makes Catholicism so special? Mm. What makes us better than every other religion that we're right and you're wrong because we have gunpowder and you don't? <laughs> now you're Catholic. <laughs> uh, and also a lot of it came from studying like the history of Christianity because mm. I went to a Catholic college so we had to take theology classes mm-hmm. uh, and studying where Christianity, especially in the medieval ages, how Christianity evolved and the Protestant Reformation and all the evolution that uh, Christianity went through and all the different uh, split and all the different sects that started to form based on well is Jesus all divine or is he half and half or mm-hmm. is he human but divinely influenced like all these little branches that break off and then kill each other because your religion's wrong my religion's right and it's mm-hmm. like why can't we all just agree to our own religions why do you have to like murder me and force me to believe what you believe yeah and a lot of the inconsistencies and like the violence that came from religion because I'm right, you're wrong, and God told me that I have to kill you because you're wrong mm. really just turned me off, and I stopped wanting to be associated with 
that part of society. Yeah. Okay. That answers your question. That does answer my question, yes. Excellent. I did it. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Wonderful. Um, yeah, I, I also grew up um, a religious Protestant. Um, so when I was in high school and youth group, we were trained to uh, basically view Catholics as fools. Um, right. Yeah. <laughs> but there, there are exceptions. Some Catholics can be Christians, but not all Catholics are Christians, <laughs> which I've come to realize in hindsight, not everyone who goes to church is a Christian either. No, or not, not. Not everyone who calls himself a Christian is a good person. Because most people suck. Yes, yes, people in general suck. Uh, but then people in general can also be good. Um, but yeah, uh, I first um, started uh, just, I was, I was heavily involved uh, with church uh, from... Well, grew up going to church, and then in high school had my first. Uh, I guess, I, might, I guess I can call it mystical experience. I don't know. First time I experienced um, like a real, like to me, like a, a real what's the word? Transcendent feeling of love and grace. You know mm-hmm. that had been talked about all this time. The grace and love of God, and up until this point, I just felt immensely guilty. Until I had this one experience at a, a youth group. Um, convention conference uh thing and that that changed my life and all of a sudden i wanted to you know i was i was on fire for jesus and stuff and so i wore the the t-shirts through high school you know the birth uh, birth <laughs> bible versus bi bible versus sees bible then verse birth yeah, that's where <laughs> that came from um bible verses uh with you know that that would ape slogans like the lord's gym versus uh the what, gold's gym Mm. And it had Jesus bench pressing a cross, you know, because, you know, can you bear this weight under you or whatever? And, um, yeah, uh, awesome stuff. Um, and then I, was, I just got really, I wanted, you know, do the right thing. I wanted to be a good Christian. I wanted, you know, I knew what I experienced, and I want other people to experience that as well. And um, what I was, you know, reading and learning was that, oh, then you've got to be a missionary. You've got to evangelize, da 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 And I was like, well, I'm not really into door-to-door salesmanship. Um, I'm more of, like, letting people discover stuff on their own, so I mm-hmm. will facilitate their experiences insofar as I can by wearing these clever T-shirts <laughs> and listening to Christian rock instead of, you know, rap or whatever. But now there's awesome Christian rap, apparently. Um, of course there is. Why not? Yes. <laughs> um, anything the world can do, Christians can do better because it's about Jesus! Yay, praise Jesus! Yes, so, uh, not to make fun of my heritage, just the industry. The industry, that's what I'm getting around to. <laughs> I was just really getting into the industry and the machine. Mm-hmm. Um, and by the time uh, I was getting ready to go to college, I just could see, I, I could discern there was supposed to be more to it than this. You know, I've, I've read all these books and nothing's really helping. If anything, my guilt is increasing again, or my fear mm-hmm. of, of demonic possession or demonic influence is just like oh why and um when i got out of my my bubble uh and into college uh started to wander a bit and just kind of do my own thing and then the good old christian guilt uh, i understand your circles is catholic guilt but uh, <laughs> protestants have it too um uh, protestant guilt i guess uh was re- really weighing on me so when i got out of college i um tried to make a comeback but then i started this cycle of um feeling better myself and then guilty again better and guilty and uh finally went to therapy to help deal with the whole thing and that's when everything started to change and um fast forward a few years uh once i got out of like um like all points of reference namely civilian life into boot camp Mm. and then a school and then hawaii um and then from hawaii to southeast asia and finally seeing all these other cultures for the first time and experiencing uh, this, this whole new world, a uh, fantastic place I never knew. Um, 
it just really started to open my eyes and alter my world perspective and um, started to, I don't know, I still want to do the right thing, still want to be a good person and was trying to trying to go to church. I found this one church that was that was pretty cool um, out here and then got married, not to Jen, uh, to someone else first. And I was trying to be a good Christian husband and uh, all that stuff. And then uh, that, that fell apart. And I was like, screw this. Throw it all away and just see what works and go with my gut, follow my heart. And mm-hmm. um, kind of coming back around again, but not... You know, I, I still have this, this kind of cycle where, um, you know, kind of get into it and throw out stuff that doesn't work for me. Um, and... You know, just just trying to discern what what is true and what isn't true. If I was, shucks, this was like five or six years ago. You know, the fact of uh, you know your story would be offensive to me at that point, maybe. Um, mm. But why? You know, why should that be? Why should anyone's story be offensive to anyone else unless it involves like murdering little children and bunnies? Because your opinions hurt my feelings. Sometimes. Exactly. Yes. How dare you have a different opinion than me? I'm <laughs> yeah. sensitive. Yes. Um, but you know, and you know, lots of. Uh, Younger Christians, I guess, get offended by that kind of stuff because that, that's a testament maybe to the strength of their faith. Um, and I don't necessarily believe exactly as I did. Certainly, I don't believe exactly as I did. Mm-hmm. Um, but just um, focusing more on the, the love and grace because that's what God is all about, is mm-hmm. love, about um, reconciliation, not tearing people apart necessarily, but bringing people back together in love and unity into him, whatever that means. Because a lot of times it's easy to limit God, who is supposed to represent the infinite, the unknowable, the uh, the <laughs> be-all, end-all, you know, the nexus of reality. Limit that all into, like, one old man up on a throne in heaven saying, no, you know, that kind of thing. Unless you follow my rules, then I will bless thee. But if you <laughs> disobey me, then thou shalt be smitten. Right. And in spite of, you know, lots of passages in the Bible speaking to the contrary of that. So... Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's my long and rambly story. I like how you mentioned the the morals because it it always uh, annoyed me that religion seems to have this monopoly on morals. Ah, yeah. Like, oh, are you going to raise your kids Catholic? Nah, not really. I'm going to let them decide for themselves. Oh, well, then how are they going to know right from wrong? How are they going to learn morals? It's like you can learn that stuff without going to church, man. Like, yes. I'll just teach them to do best for other people. Mm-hmm. And also on that note. I remember being being younger and uh, the priest and family saying, like, you need to do the right things, you can go to heaven, right? Mm. Got to share, don't steal, or else that's mm. a sin, and then you'll go to hell, mm-hmm. and fear tactics. Mm. Well, as I got older, I started to think that if I'm doing the right thing and only the right thing so that I can go to heaven, that's a very selfish motivation, right? Yes. So I'm not, I'm not going to give a dollar to a homeless man because I actually care about the homeless man. It's, if I give a dollar to this homeless man, that's a brownie point for St. Peter. Yep. That's going to help me get to heaven. Here you go, man. Let me, I'll give you a five. That's five. That's five brownie points, right, God? We're cool? All right, cool. Yeah. And that, like, idea of that selfish end of, like, I want paradise for myself, so I'm going to help you right. is kind of contradictory to helping others in general. Like, what about just selfless service? Like, uh-huh. I'm a like I'm a humanist. I want to help my fellow human because I get pleasure from knowing that I've made a positive difference in someone else's life. Mm-hmm. Like, as a teacher, I want to, I don't, like, I don't need to make money. I just want to help people. Mm-hmm. And 
that's just what I want to do. Which on one hand, some could argue that that's even still more selfish, but... What, helping other people is for the sake of helping other people? Well, for the sake of you feeling that joy that you help someone else. Okay. But... Yeah, I could see that. But I still think that's BS because <laughs> um, you're still doing something for the benefit of someone else, whether or not it actually benefits you. Right. Or, or yeah, it's just more of like, you know it's the right thing. You're in tune with your natural self, I guess. Or you just care about other people. Exactly, like, yeah, yeah. I'm going to help you because I have the means to help you. Mm-hmm. Like, I don't need this dollar to survive today. I can just give it to you because I want to help out my fellow man. Right. And a lot of religions are like, oh, well, you're going to go to heaven now. Like, good job. Like, mm-hmm. don't, no. Yeah. Just don't try to bribe me with that to be a good person. Just let me be a good person for the sake of being a good person. Yes. And anytime someone who's religious tries to use that, like, you need religion to have good morals. Like, no, you don't. Mm-hmm. No, you don't. I know yeah. plenty of atheists that were raised atheists that are better people than Christians raised Christian. Mm. Absolutely. You don't need religion to be a good person. That's a, to me, that's a silly idea. Yeah. Yeah. Um, also, you can get even more brownie points if you try to get them <laughs> to sign up. Yes, you want to... Basically. You want to pyramid scheme this. Exactly! <laughs> oh my gosh, yes. Like, that's, that's one thing that has really turned me off to it. Uh, especially, I've had a couple dabblings with Amway. Um... Not familiar with Amway? What is Amway? Yeah. What is what is Amway? Uh, it is a pyramid scheme. It is the ultimate, uh, most prevalent pyramid scheme. It's okay. uh, they um, exploits uh, poor people and people who just want to succeed and have decent lives for themselves. Are they selling dreams? They are selling dreams. Oh, they're, they're selling soap. That's they're so selling tangible. All the products you can get from your home, because uh, that's the future. And you know, Amazon's kind of proving that point. But uh, Amway's a little overpriced, and they say. You know, they, they reel you in with all these promises. You come to these uh, little sales meetings and they like pump you up. And um, like my, you know, before we knew what was going on, my dad kind of got into it at one point. Um, and he, you know, I listened to the tapes with him. I was like, wow, this is cool stuff. And then uh, started, um, you know, it's, it's kind of difficult to get into it, but they're, they encourage you just, just try harder, which is kind of like what the church says. Just pray <laughs> harder. Just do more good deeds. Just, you know, be more selfless. Just, you know, you're, you're doing something wrong because God is perfect and the system is perfect. You just have to do better. Right. And so with Amway, it's the same thing uh, where you just have to just, just keep on plugging away, just persevere, and you'll get your reward eventually. And the money doesn't come in through selling products. It comes in by signing more people up mm-hmm. and getting them to buy, at that point, it was buy the tapes to listen to the motivational tapes or pay hundreds thousands of dollars to go to these sales meetings or conferences mm. or whatever they come in and just pump you up and the first time i went to one i was dating a girl and i didn't i kind of suspected what she was into but she didn't outright come and say what it was and we got there and i was like this is kind of like a church service and then they were like and amway made me what i am today and i'm like oh my god <laughs> seriously and it just has has struck me how similar a lot not all mm. but a lot of the bigger churches especially are a lot like those sales meetings or how those sales meetings are a lot like church services. Draw your own conclusions. <clears throat> On that, at the very top of that pyramid scheme uh-huh. is, what is that, St. Petersburg? No, shoot, that's in Russia. Um, <laughs> the Vatican. Oh, you think so? The Pope? I don't know. I, I, that's, that's Catholic stuff. I don't want to get an ex- Oh, so like current Pope seems like a cool guy. He's a cool dude. But, but you ever seen, like, videos or photographs of the Vatican? No. No. Uh, I saw it in Mission Impossible 3. 
I haven't seen that one. So uh, sure. It's so pretty you, good. It looks like the kind of place that a the son of a carpenter that would give uh, the clothes off his back to the poor. It looks like the kind of place he would hang out, right? Yeah. No. It looks like mm. super expensive, gold-coated uh-huh. everything, and yeah. people in fancy robes. Like, what? why do you have all this money? Mm-hmm. Isn't that the exact opposite of what Jesus said? Uh-huh. Stop it. Yeah. Give that away to the poor. Help yeah. other people. Stop donating money to this thing because you're just ha- having giving them even fancier hats and fancier robes to wear. Yeah. It doesn't, like, I don't, because that's the, so, uh, my school, St. Vincent College, mm. there's a basilica there. Beautiful. Oh, my gosh. Mm-hmm. Love it. Mm-hmm. And... But it's so decadent. You have like these giant marble columns mm. and stained glass windows, mm-hmm. and it's beautiful. Mm-hmm. But that's money not going to the poor. That's money True. not going to develop third world nations. Yeah. And that stuff does not come cheap. Hmm. And it seems like, I don't know, it's like it's, to me, it's, it's it's contradictory. It's like the exact opposite of. Yeah. Like we we were doing um, over the last couple <laughs> of years, we were the church was doing a, uh, fundraiser for new doors i think or new no it was a new organ hmm. the new like pipe organ up top mm-hmm. and they had to raise like thousands of dollars mm-hmm. for a music playing machine for the church <laughs> not to build like a hospital in uganda to put a music playing machine in the church yeah it's like where are the priorities i follow at? you i follow you and maybe i just haven't tackled this part uh of my paradigm yet um, but one thing, uh, like a book I read, uh, oh, shucks, lots of, a long time ago, um, called, uh, shoot, something about like the, the worship of mediocrity or something. And that's not right. Mm-hmm. Um, it's, it's a Christian book, uh, one of those, uh, commentary books on how this guy, well, hmm, yeah, this guy, it's, it's this guy's opinion that, you know, Christian art should be the paragon should be the best. Um, basically saying like, uh, you know, money should be going towards the poor and whatnot, but it's not necessarily wrong to have, like, a nice church, a uh, pretty church, nice new organ. Um, like, if, if the organ's old, busted and dusty, you know, hey, then get a new organ. But uh, mm-hmm. so long as it's not taking advantage of the parishioners, I guess. And that, that is kind of a, a, an icky line to walk um, because you're, you're absolutely right. Um, the, you know, the ostensible mission is to... Uh, make the world a better place and to help the poor, feed the hungry, the widows and orphans. That's true religion, mm-hmm. um, uh, essentially. Um, so, yeah, I guess, you know, where is that line between having a... You, you don't need... Yeah, you're right. You don't need a huge building. Um, at the same time, it is kind of cool going into, like, an, a really old church, like like in England. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, What is it? Uh, Winchester Cathedral? That's like the big one, yeah. I think that's yeah. I think that's what I'm thinking of. Winchester. Yeah, um, and then any of the churches out there, but Winchester especially, you know, these you know huge columns, stained beautiful art, stained glass window, mosaics in the floors and the walls, frescoes, all that, all that crazy stuff. Um, that kind of, you know, the the what you know, because it's the devotion of the artists. So if I guess maybe maybe if it's if it's that if it's something true and pure coming from the heart of the artist. Um, because that's their expression of their devotion or whatever, uh, as opposed to um, instead of feeding the poor and whatnot and putting it into that, then maybe that's okay. I don't know. What do you think? To play devil's advocate with myself. <laughs> devil's uh, advocate. Because <laughs> I realized as well while you were speaking was... Go for it, Keanu. <laughs> Get it? Devil's advocate, the movie. <laughs> uh, anyway. Uh, Sorry. If you put... So let's say you have two churches, right? Sure. One of them is just like shack. Okay. No money in because they spend all their money sending missionaries to Africa or mm-hmm. Southeast Asia or wherever. They 
doing the full mission. Mm-hmm. But you, on the other hand, you have this beautiful basilica, this beautiful cathedral, beautiful stained glass windows, mm-hmm. stunning. Mm-hmm. Which one is going to get more practitioners to go to, mm-hmm. which will then f- turn money into those missionary projects? Mm-hmm. If you have some little shack, no one's probably not going to, like, the, you're going to have your diehard zealots that are going to want to go because mm-hmm. they're, like, this is the kind of house Jesus would pray in. Mm-hmm. He wouldn't be in some fancy cathedral. He'd be in with the people mm-hmm. beyond the village square preaching mm-hmm. and turning all the money away. Mm-hmm. But you also have those people that are like, oh, that's a cool building. Let's go take our donations over there because mm-hmm. they're doing something right. Mm. And you can almost flip it and say that you got to spend money to make money to then help other people. Mm-hmm. Kind of like how, uh, like look at a hospital, for example. Mm-hmm. Are you going to want to go to the brand new state of the art, beautiful hospital that just had a billion dollars put into it? Yes. Or are you going to want to go to <laughs> the $100,000 for the entire building hospital that has like hand-me-down equipment and mm. the lowest paid doctors because they're trying to tend to like the common man? Yeah. You're going to want to go to the one that clearly is doing something right because they have money to spend on mm-hmm. a five-star hotel or not hotel, like five-star like hospital or however they rate them yeah so you one could make the argument that that's like a display of the power of the church and don't you want to be a part of a winning team have you seen our church Uh, this this place is awesome you want to be a part of this team Mm -hmm. you don't want to go to that little shack down there yeah they barely have anyone going there anyways Mm -hmm. so it's Mm -hmm. almost like a permanent recruiting strategy yeah look how awesome this is. yeah yeah no that makes sense that makes sense Uh, but i feel like you can tell though when a church is doing that versus, uh, well, I don't know. I haven't been, I have been in church in a few years. Well, you don't always see those things just from looking at the church. Yeah. So, like, I know the St. Vincent Parish and the college, uh-huh. it sends a lot of groups out to, uh, Guatemala is a big one. Mm. We send missionary trips out to Guatemala, like, every year, every other year. That's what I was going to get We to. send teams out yeah. to China to go help convert people over there and mm-hmm. bring humanitarian aid mm-hmm. and they do a lot of really great things mm-hmm. but you don't know that unless you're already part of the church it's not super publicized in like the local newspaper yeah you kind of like I'm, like I'm a part of all the Facebook groups for my college and for my church and I see all the amazing things they do so I know that there is good things coming from it mm-hmm. but you don't know that unless you're already part of that community because it's not as like people don't really care about that as much they're more interested in like how the high school football team do. Yeah. Let's talk about that. Yeah. That's more interesting than five college kids giving up two weeks of their summer to go build a hospital in mm-hmm. the jungle. Yeah. <coughs> yeah. Um, sure. I'm not, yeah. I'm not sure there's a clearly defined answer on this necessarily. Which is why it's such a good thing to discuss. Yes! Because you can have so many different points of views and conversations. Absolutely. See how we totally flipped that around? Uh-huh. We went from one side where <laughs> decadence is evil to... It may be a little decadent, but you're doing it with the greater aim of helping other people because you're drawing in the clientele that can support these missions. Yes. And I feel like at the heart of it, though, is the message. You know, are these people that are telling you you're god-awful doomed to hell unless you give to this and give your life to Jesus and then donate 10% of your paycheck every week? Mm Mm-hmm. Or I think that's actually what you're supposed to do. I think there is, like, there's an actual amount the Pope says, like, you should donate... Oh, it's, it's drawn from the, the Old Testament. Okay, uh, so yeah, I, I thought I felt like there was something. Yeah, I can't chapter and verse it for you, but it is, <laughs> is tithe. Oh, boo, noob. <laughs> uh, no, it's old and negligent is all. Um, 
uh, yeah, a tenth of like in, in the Old Testament is like a tenth of your first fruits or whatever of, mm-hmm. of your wealth um, right. is the standard they use. Um, verse, uh, oh yeah, and you know if you give, then you'll you'll be blessed with prosperity, which um, some people do use to abuse uh, to uh, get their uh, you know fancy planes, new cars, and stuff, and then maybe send maybe give five percent to the actual ministry stuff right uh versus a church whose message is not necessarily that you're your crap or whatever but um uh, like hey god loves you and wants to you know wants to get now oh, i feel like i'm going back to my old uh <laughs> way of thinking or not thinking but talking but yeah just just the message of reconciliation uh between god and man and man and man mm-hmm. um which in my studies in my pursuits of knowledge has been coming around to there not being a huge difference between reconciliation between God and man and man and man, which I realized could be heretical on a number of levels. Mm-hmm. But what really got me turned on in that first time was actually reading a Catholic book um, by Thomas Merton. He was a Trappist monk, and um, he talks about in his book, No Man is an Island, that's basically the pursuit of God is the pursuit of self and the better you get to know yourself better the more you get to know god is the same as getting to know yourself basically and what i'm i'm increasingly seeing is that god isn't so much a being and i'm not yeah uh not so much a, a being like located in a central place because he's supposed to be infinite he's supposed to be omnipresent omniscient uh, all this stuff. And he's not even supposed to be limited to, you know, a pronoun necessarily, but that's mm-hmm. how we speak. And traditionally, he, but could be she, because there are many feminine representations of him in the Bible as well. Or is God genderless? Well, no, that's the point. That's the point. <laughs> how can you understand something infinite? Exactly. He is so vast and huge that the human mind, by definition of God, cannot fully comprehend mm-hmm. all that God is. Yes, exactly. So you have to use tiny words and try to, uh, and you have to, realistic and I was like I don't understand God because it's if God is what the Bible says he is it's impossible for the human mind to wrap to grasp the concept of God exactly boom and how can that be limited to one system of beliefs right how come my God is so different from your God I don't understand my God because I don't have the mental capacity for that exactly but my God's different than your God we're gonna fight about it yes yeah exactly because religion yes (laughs) Uh, and from my, my time as an English teacher and like studying metaphor and there's like, ugh, I'm probably going to screw this up, but like there's the, the tenor, I think, which is the message and there's the, the vehicle, the way the, the message is delivered. Okay. Um, and like the whole idea of redemption, the whole idea of God and, um, reconciliation and whatnot is that basically it just comes down to us needing to be able to forgive ourselves because, you know, with the, the Protestant guilt I grew up with, um, even though I believed that God forgave me for certain sins, I still had this immense amount of guilt weighing on me. And wise people in my life would say, oh, well, you just need to forgive yourself. And then when I learned to do that in therapy, I was like, okay. The, the, honestly, the first thing I thought of, and it scared me at the time, because uh, it shook my faith to the core, uh, I was like, okay, if all I need to do is forgive myself, why do I need to care about God forgiving me? Why do I need to put myself through all this other shit mm-hmm. if all I need to do is forgive myself? 
and that got me on a way of thinking of maybe this is this is all bullshit. It's almost like there's many different interpretations of the same document. Uh, what? I know, right? <laughs> many interpretations? Oh. And they don't always line up together? How could this be? Weird. It's like human beings are involved or something. How can there be many colors in one light? This is a white light. How can there be red, orange, yellow, witchcraft. green, blue, indigo, and violet in it? This is clearly witchcraft. It must be. Um... So yeah, uh, and that that stuck with me for a while. And reading the stuff I am now, I'm actually reading some of the heretics that, <laughs> <laughs> or folks who were labeled as such. Um, burn them, burn them. Yeah, exactly. Uh, Rob Bell, have you heard of him? No. A uh, really cool dude, really chill. He was uh, uh, like started his own church uh, a while back and was immensely popular. And then he wrote a book called Love Wins. Uh, have it on my shelf. Haven't read it yet. But uh, um, the controversy coming around that is is that basically he says there is no such thing as hell or um, something along those lines. And so he was banned from mainstream Christianity, banned from his church, and now he just writes books and does public speaking and stuff. Well, you need hell or else the people on the fence aren't going to do good things. Exactly. They need to be afraid of that. Yes. Yes. Um, and so where am I going with this? Um uh, I, I, I'm not, I'm not, on one hand, I don't want to just, you know, throw away everything I grew up with because I wouldn't be who I am if I didn't right. have what I grew up with. Yeah. And people I, I know and love to this day and, and you know, who are intelligent people, very smart, you know, um, and I, you know, never had, like, deep conversations necessarily such as this, so I don't necessarily know exactly where they're coming from, but, you know, they still, you know, follow this system of belief. And they're mm -hmm. not the people who get out mm -hmm. and, you know, are, you know, saying all t sorts of terrible things. They're the good people, the underrepresented side of uh, this whole discussion. Um, so don't want to disrespect them and, you know, everything in that context. Mm -hmm. But I'm just, you know, coming on my own faith journey, I guess. Right. Um, coming to these conclusions. It's your own character development. Exactly. Um, yeah, coming to these conclusions and just seeing, like, you know, I guess it's how I'm seeing it, how I'm experiencing life. And uh, I feel like on a certain level, we need some kind of narrative. Mm -hmm. um, just the danger, as you've <laughs> reiterated, uh, comes in um, when we say, my narrative trumps your narrative because I had my experience and your experience means nothing. Right. Because yeah. how could I be wrong? Exactly. I'm always right. Exactly. Yeah, and that's something my dad like hammered into my head was like, well, not hammered, um, but uh, you know, I heard him say a lot of times is, um, you, you just have to be willing to be wrong mm -hmm. because you don't know everything. But the problem is with religion, it's so deeply ingrained in you. It's so much a part of you. It's like mm -hmm. to your core. Yes. That in it certain takes ways, such a such a huge step to admit that okay, maybe I was wrong about such a big thing. It's not like saying like, oh man, you're right. Peanut butter is delicious. I right. thought it was terrible. This is like, oh yeah, my whole idea of life and death and good and evil is is a little bit off because it's the way a it's huge thing to to accept yes because the way it's the way they've learned it the way it's been presented is a matter of life and death mm -hmm. literally it's a matter of your eternal your uh, eternal soul yeah yeah and so yeah and that's that's why like i said i was scared when i had that first thought it's a, uh, it's 10 a years big ago thing, yeah 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 and it hasn't been easy coming around you know it's been back and forth back and forth and i'm you know, I'm not saying I've arrived or anything because you're on a constant journey. You never arrive until yeah. you die. It's always in flux. A absolutely. So, uh, yeah. So that's 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 my my thing, I guess. 
Cool. Um, yeah. That got pretty real. Yeah, right? <laughs> <laughs> so Star Wars. Yeah, so uh, Star let's, Wars. Let's Love pick, it. Let's pick up back there. Oh, shit, um, yeah. How did we get from Star Wars to religion? I did it on purpose. <laughs> I was like, how much cool? Let's jump on that. <laughs> religion. Um, and actually, where are we at? Holy shnikes. Hmm. What's uh, hour hour forty five? Oh shoot! Hour forty five. Yeah, that doesn't sound right. I know, right? Yeah, that's the you got magic. time limit on that thing. Uh, no limit. Well, I guess as long as the, the well until the batteries die or the memory card fills up. Ah, all right. Yeah, so, well, just kick it, me out when you need me to go. No, oh, yeah. I got all day. Yeah. Wait, what time? Can't see the clock. Oh yeah, quarter to two. Cause we started. Yeah, we started pretty much on time. Yeah, oh, sweet. Yeah. yeah. Um, but yeah, let's let's wrap up. Uh, let's let's end it with Star Wars, I guess. Um, Something a little lighter. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, okay, so yeah, you grew up with the you, you watched the original trilogy, saw the prequels. You got mm-hmm. to see the prequels in the theater. I did get to as see they the came out. That's yeah. that's pretty cool. Yeah. Um, and then after episode three, Revenge of the Sith, mm-hmm. it was kind of dead for a while. Uh, did you get in any of the cartoons like Clone Wars? Uh, not uh, at the time. Mm-hmm. Well, that's not entirely true. So, Cartoon Network, I think it was Cartoon Network, had the, oh, the, the Clone Wars miniseries. Yeah, like the straight cartoon that animation. Was awesome. That was so good. Yes. Yeah, love it. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then you have the, what was it, Disney? Yes. No, the, the, the other Clone Wars, like the computer mm-hmm. animated one, mm-hmm. which I wasn't into when it first came out, but I recently watched it like two years ago. It's pretty fantastic. good. Fantastic. Yeah. Side filler episodes and side stuff behind like mm-hmm. you when you get into some of those real serious story arcs like the mandalore series the I the name of the planet but it's like the good ver- the yin yang planet i refer oh, to it as mm-hmm. there's some really good because you've, you've seen it right i haven't seen the whole thing i just okay. got into it you need to get back on it last year yeah okay yeah because like those are more towards the end like it, it definitely gets be- it ages very well mm-hmm. or uh, no not ages but like it gets better as it goes mm. like the writers really start to explore different themes and yeah. it gets a little more mature in mm-hmm. the content. You have less episodes about Jar Jar being Jar Jar and more yes. about like, what is good and evil? What is right and wrong? And you're like, this is pretty deep. Because, yeah, the, one of the last episodes <laughs> I saw, they were trying to get information out of Bane? Bounty Hunter, dude? Mm. And, yeah. like, it's, uh, it's like got um, uh, Samuel L. Jackson's good dude, uh, his character. What's his name? Mace Windu. Mace! It's got Mace, Obi-Wan, and I think Anakin are all, like, all in their, like, force torturing him basically like enhanced interrogation but they're like you know using the force to try to draw out his memories and mm-hmm. he's in obvious pain it's like oh my god this is like <laughs> topical the ends justify the means right yeah maybe mm-hmm. <laughs> i thought the jedi were all good nope yes. not today that's why the jedi must end yes <laughs> uh, yeah that was really good watch mm. that i've watched the first season of rebels rebels i hear is amazing and then i kind of i think i was i went on mission to the Solomons and mm. I took a break from it for too long and mm. then I was so far behind I'm like ah it's a lot of work I'm not going to get caught back up and yeah. also it's not on Netflix or anything so it is oh Rebels isn't yeah Rebels yeah. isn't Clone, Clone Wars, Wars is, is yes. but Rebels is not so I yeah. didn't have easy access to it mm. after the fact mm-hmm. which made it a lot harder for me to get back into and I just kind of let it go yeah right on um, and that that kind of leads into Rogue One because I understand uh, in Rogue One there is a little easter egg of uh, I guess the ghost that they fly, the ship that they fly in Rebels appears in a scene. Maybe mm, that's past. Maybe. Have you watched Rogue One? Maybe, probably more like the background of like the one of the spaceports or something. You or might like see as it. as they're uh, I think as they're amassing the attack on Scarif. Mm-hmm. And it's uh, that shot of all the ships going towards it. Oh, is it in the, the Armada? Is, yeah. Oh, really? Yeah. Oh man, I'm gonna have to go back and look for it. Ah. I haven't because I've been so separated from Rebels. I've forgotten even oh, what the ship okay. looks like. Yeah. So I'll have to go back and look for it. Yeah. But I know the uh, Forrest Whitaker's character was from Rebels. Mm-hmm. Or no, Clone Wars. 
Oh, he's in Clone Wars. His young character is in Clone Wars, yeah. Uh, okay. It was one of the Insurgency episodes. Nice, because I heard he's going to be in Rebels. And okay, this is yeah. the last season coming up, actually, too. Oh, is it? Yeah. How many seasons is it now? Mm. I think it's five. And I only know this because I listen to another podcast, Rebel Force Radio. Okay. It's pretty good. Uh, kind of cheeseball in some aspects, but um, really, like, it's a lot of fun to listen to. Okay. I like listening to it on Saturdays. It's like yeah. hanging out with the guys and talking about the wars and stuff, except you can't really talk, but you can do the dishes <laughs> and listen to them. Uh, but yeah, a lot of fun. Um, so yeah, yeah. Uh, do, you, do you feel as though they're trying to make like genuinely good stories now, or is it Disney cashing in, or is it kind of a little bit of both? You know, with episode seven, then Rogue One, and then uh, Last Jedi coming out this Christmas, and then uh, Han Solo film and its little yeah. controversy going on right now. The Force, I was really excited for The Force Awakens because as a, as a huge Star Wars fan, it's like, yes, Star yeah. Wars. Sure, yeah. Super excited for that. Uh-huh. Anything Star Wars, just feed me. Yes. I'm an addict, man. Just give me my fix. I need something <laughs> Star I don't even care if it's like some half-assed product. Just mm. give me something. Nice. And I was really excited for Force Awakens. I loved the fact that they had a woman lead because that's just refreshing. Like, hey, mm. there's more than two females in the entire galaxy hey. and they're both related to each other. Uh, Padme and Leia, there's more than those two. Uh, awesome. Let's meet these characters. Yes. So we got uh, Rey uh, and... Uh, well, that was kind of a twist, finding out that she is the Jedi because the marketing kind of leads you to thinking that uh, Finn yeah because he's the one with the saber and all the and trailers all the, which uh-huh. was a really that was a really cool marketing ploy because uh-huh. they're like oh cool we're going to this guy nope nope yeah. flip it mm-hmm. love it good job Abrams that was cool yeah uh, sorry interrupted oh <coughs> you're fine so I was really excited for it I watched it once I thought it was I thought it fit right in with the same tempo and pace of the original trilogy mm. it had a little bit of humor in there mm-hmm. but some more serious parts and you have the comic relief in there as well mm-hmm. thought it was cool yeah a lot of really good nods to the original like you have the red was it red five helmet oh yeah in the very beginning uh-huh. you have uh i mean the lightsaber you have the oh no yeah you, like the lightsaber is back in there so you mm-hmm. like got to tie in so you've got a couple tie-ins here and there uh Han actually understanding how the force works and how it does not work. Yes. Even though he's not how the force works. Yeah. So a lot of really cool nods uh, yeah. here and there, which was really good. And I was really into it at first. And then I rewatched it. Mm. And I had a lot of problems mm. with it the second, or sorry, the third time. Okay. Watched it once, loved it. Watched it second time, still good. Third time, noticing things that, now that like the hype is down and I'm mm. not on that Star Wars high, I'm able to see it with clear vision. Okay. And... It just seemed like a lot of really, I'm going to be harsh, but a lot of like lazy writing and like plot shortcuts. Oh, yeah. And so one of the, so I think the first one that really struck me was when Finn is escaping, Mm. he has that horrible, well, before he starts, before he decides to escape, he has that horrible experience in his first combat. It's not what he expected. This is nasty. They're killing civilians. I got to get out of here. Mm-hmm. Cool. Good on you. you. You realize you're doing something wrong. Get out. Sure. So he starts to bail, and then he grabs Poe, and they get in the TIE fighter mm-hmm. to fly away. Mm-hmm. And almost immediately, Finn is gunning down all these stormtroopers. Mm-hmm. Now, I realize that, yes, the stormtroopers are the villains of this movie they wear masks so you can't see them they're not human beings in mm. this show they're just there to they're bantha fodder mm-hmm. they're there to get wasted away yes. but Finn was has been with these people his whole life 
Oh, it's not yeah. like he joined the military at the age of 25. Mm-hmm. He's been indoctrinated in this entire life. All of his friends, all of his family are those people. Yeah. And that's all he's ever known. Uh-huh. And just like that, he's killing them all. He's got no guilt whatsoever. Yeah. And even if, and like I try to think about like, now that I'm, have been in the military, I look yeah. at a lot of movies that when I was a kid, I'm like, this is awesome. And now I'm like, that's mm-hmm. ah, not that doesn't make sense. Yeah. Like you have a different experience and a different perspective. Absolutely. And even if I was in a situation like that, I like to think that like, let's say my unit was in like Afghanistan or something and a massacre happened where civilians were being targeted. I don't think I would just snap and start gunning down my friends and family. And that's even mm-hmm. the guys I've only known for like two years. Yeah. That would take a lot, mm-hmm. but to go ahead and gun down like your literal family, mm-hmm. your friends you've had since you, for as long as you can remember, mm-hmm. just like a flip of a switch mm-hmm. doesn't make a whole lot of sense to me. Yeah. And that really turned me off. Huh. Like, cause it was just like a plot shortcut. Like, Oh, we got to kill these guys. Cool. Finn's going to have no problem with that. No remorse, no hesitation, just whoop, brrr, mowing them all down. Yeah. So that really, uh, huh. Gave me some heartburn when I was watching it for the third time. Cause I actually yeah. had time to like sit down and realize like, Oh dang, huh. like this is a huge betrayal. Yeah. It wow. just happened. Hmm. Not sure if you, noticed that at all when you were watching it not at all but okay. that's but you, very but insightful can you understand where i'm coming yeah, from yeah though? yeah like, it's just like yep sense. totally cool killing all these guys all my friends and family gone i got a new family i got this guy i just met yeah we're getting out of here uh-huh i didn't even intend to enjoy uh, to enjoy to join the resistance he was just trying to get out yeah and get as far away from the first order as yeah. he could so i can understand like wanting to leave just getting out cool. yeah good on you uh-huh. but just straight up sabotaging and killing your friends and family huh. seemed really like a huge character switch yeah with Given it was a it was a big motivating factor for him to leave, mm-hmm. but then they go that much further. Yeah, that's that's a big push. I won't kill civilians, but I'll kill the other folks I have fought with and bled with and yeah. sweated with. Like everyone I've ever known, yeah. turning on everybody. Now I've got no one except for this guy I just met. Yeah, who may or may not be huh. a criminal himself. Yeah, I just met him. Yes. <laughs> um, now I did have a similar experience watching Battlestar Galactica. Okay, I'm not. I know of it, but I'm not. Holy crap! Followers, sorry, Ooh. sorry, sorry. No, 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 no. It's fine, it's fine, it's fine. Forgive me. I mean, like you know, I, I hate it when people get like mad at people. You haven't seen it. You have to see it. You know the truth. I'm like, okay, you haven't seen it yet. I There's understand. a lot of good shows out there, there are man. Tons <laughs> of good shows. Granted, this was a few years ago, but that's okay. <laughs> um, yeah, it's it's like after because um, basically Space Navy. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, basic story, you know the and it was a post nine eleven story basically. Um, uh, it's you know these other planets Caprica all these planets named after the astrology science basically and it's humans and then they have the the, the old robot servants they invented hundreds of years ago with the Cylons mm-hmm. and then they um, you know spy and find out the humans um, weaknesses or whatever and sabotage and launch a nuke attack basically destroy all the planet the colonies is what they call them and then there's like this last Battlestar is basically a, a battleship in space uh, that had just been decommissioned because it's like the oldest one in the fleet and it's become a museum. And then all of a sudden, planets destroyed, humans are enslaved by the robots, and now it's recommissioned. It's, and there's a few ships who are still out, you know, in space or whatever, and they gather them up into one fleet and then try to find Earth. Um, and then it just has this really interesting uh, uh, commentary, dynamic, I don't know, about just military life, kind of, uh, mm-hmm. is what I picked up on especially uh, female roles in combat and stuff. And then um, there's, like, you know, nepotism because, like, the leader, uh, Admiral Adama, his son is, is part of it as well. Um, and lots of 
lots of blurred lines, lots of gray areas. There's sometimes you're like, humans are awful <laughs> and the robots, I understand why they did it. And then a few episodes later, you're like the robots must die <laughs> and the right. humans must live. And it's like, everyone died. Just <laughs> everyone sucks all the time. Yes. Yes. But, uh, very, very interesting story. And after, you know, I watched it at first, I was like, wow, this is cool. This is intense. Oh my gosh. And then after time in the Navy, I was like, Oh, that's deep. That was like crazy. I'm really glad they explored that. And that makes sense. You have a different appreciation for some of the smaller details. Absolutely. Civilians really don't know about. Yeah. 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 So, uh, you should check out Battlestar Galactica. (laughs) I'll put it on my list. Is it on Netflix? I don't think so. Ah, darn, that'll make things complicated. Yeah. Um, so yeah, if you weren't leaving, I'd lend you the DVDs. <laughs> yeah. Sorry. That's okay. It's all your fault. Damn it. Damn. It usually is. <laughs> uh, okay. Um, well, shucks. Yeah, we're coming up. You're the second one I've, I've hit two hours with um, so far. So Long-winded. Yes. I got this. Hey. An endurance athlete. I can go all day. <laughs> Indeed. And there's a ton more we could talk about, but um, I don't know. Maybe we should... Uh, wrap it up here um is there anything else you want to talk about you feel good or uh, uh yeah man you know your schedule any plot threads are left dangling uh i don't think so i mean if we're going to talk about plot holes in uh the force awakens oh yeah yeah i kind of got off on that yeah okay we yeah can... well um so then uh rogue one what do you think of that Rewatched that again recently mm-hmm. i still liked it I liked it better than The Force Awakens. Yeah. It was a, I think, I feel like it was a better story. Mm. Uh, I think that they could have, I don't know, like hindsight's twenty twenty. like you could, you could have done a few things differently to mm-hmm. change some things. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think my biggest complaint is, again, they play down the stormtroopers every mm. time. <laughs> like why, like in the, in they, cause they started off so strong in A New Hope, mm-hmm. the stormtroopers are assaulting a bottleneck position against pre-prepared defenses. Oh, okay. Against not just, like, schmucks with rifles. These are, like, Marines, right? Mm-hmm. Space Marines. Should be. Yeah, should be. And they breach the defenses. They push the defenders back, mm-hmm. which is a military... Like, which is one of the hardest military challenges. Mm-hmm. Breaking through a bottleneck mm. with no route to foul flank against hardened defenses, mm-hmm. prepared defenses. Yes. Again, they don't have like sandbag in place with machine guns, but like they got to pick the fighting field. Mm-hmm. They have their own cover that you're trying to run out in the open to push them back. Mm-hmm. And the stormtroopers kick their butts. Yeah, it's true. They push them back. Yeah. Which is, is now that you spend some time in the military, you can understand like how ridiculous that is. Uh-huh. And then for the rest of A New Hope, they're getting wasted left and right. Yeah. Because they're, I guess the best of the best died taking the blockade runner uh, must and all that's left are the stinking privates running around <laughs> trying to not trip over their own blasters uh-huh. uh, and then you have Empire Strikes Back which though that whole attack the beginning attack was a poorly planned and poorly executed attack there's a uh, fantastic article I'll send you about how huh. all the military flaws made during that attack because they, they they won they did win basically but they did everything wrong in that win but they uh, still won okay. again they oh because the stupid admiral came out of orbit too quickly remember came out of orbit too quickly gave or them orbit, time to prepare hyperspeed. and then they also took out the shield generator yeah the shield generator was the only thing keeping the rebel ships bottlenecked because the rebel ships could only come out like that little hole oh. in the shield generator so all the empire had to do is put all their ships around that hole and just 
blast them as they came out. Interesting. But they took out the shield generator to enable the fleet to come in, which they didn't need to do. Uh-huh. By coming in, yes, you take the, the field, but you let the army get away. Huh. You're not, like, Hoth isn't important. You don't need to take the field. Yeah. You need to destroy this insurgency. Huh. And by destroying the shield generator and not focusing on containment, they uh-huh. allowed ships to scatter and escape, which led to the fleet reorganizing at the end of Empire Strikes Back. Indeed. So what was the point of all that then? Yeah. Wow. Yeah, I'll send you the article. It's fantastic. They break it down. I'll, I'll link that. You might have to. You might have to remind me about it when I get home. Sure. But I'll see if I can dig it out. I think I've got it in one of my bookmarks on my laptop. Tactical. Um, so, but there you go. Like, even with that poorly conceived plan, they still say they still take the day. Uh huh. And then you have Return of the Jedi, where all their body armor is worth nothing against rocks and sticks <laughs> yes. as they get taken out by the primitive Ewoks mm-hmm. and the mm-hmm. few rebel, probably the best of the best rebel forces they had, yes. granted, but still, Ewoks. Yes. And then you have the New Order guys mm. who kind of do a good job assaulting a defended position. Mm-hmm. Kind of cool, but then the rest of the movie, they're terrible. Yes. Uh, and then in Rogue One, same thing. Mm. They are just getting blown away. So you feel like the stormtroopers are getting the shaft. They basically. are getting the shaft, and yeah. like, yeah, like I'm an empire guy <laughs> for poops and giggles, but yeah. you you try to make a big deal about how powerful the empire is, and then every chance you get, you show how weak and feeble their crack troopers are. Yes, because tr- like even looking at the history, stormtrooper is the term the Germans used for their best troops in World War One. Mm. So that's why that's why um, Lucas used that that term stormtrooper because uh. the Americans would know what a and even. Uh, in the Second World War, some uh-huh. of their best troops were referred to as stormtroopers, the hmm. troops that would go and clear out bunkers that were the, the tip of the spear, where they're stormtroopers. Mm-hmm. And that's why he used that term, because Americans mm-hmm. would know those are crack troops. Huh. But over and over again in the movies, they are shown to be anything but crack troops. Yes. And even the black troopers, I don't, I don't even troopers. know what they're, the death troopers. Yeah. Aren't those supposed to be some pretty BA guys? Yeah. What did they do? Yeah. Like, I guess they killed some of the main, some of the, like, the uh, suicide Squad at the end. Yeah. But I don't think they lived up to the hype they should have had. Yeah. I really feel like if you want to make hmm. defeating the Empire and defeating Stormtroopers worth something, you have to build up the enemy to make it like this is a serious challenge. Mm-hmm. And for the sake of easing the plot and making everyone feel good, the Star Wars directors just keep dropping the ball there. Yeah. Yeah. But to, to Rogue One's credit, you know, everyone dies. They do die. They barely get the plans out. They Just do barely get the plans. Barely. Mm-hmm. I mean, they all. I mean, even all the the death troopers died. Yeah. Uh, too. So maybe maybe it's just the force being with them. But yeah, I don't know. The rest of the movies. Yeah, you're right. You're right. You make a very good point. I never considered that. Ah, very that's what interesting. I'm here to do. So now there needs to be a movie about the stormtroopers being awesome. Maybe we'll get that in Last Jedi. Maybe. I doubt it. Yeah. Judging by the way things have gone over the last 30 years. That's true. That's true. Please? Yeah, uh, 70s, 80s to now. Yeah, yeah, this is the 30th anniversary year. Yeah. yeah. So what are you thinking Last Jedi? You know, is it, why should it be the last Jedi? Everyone has an opinion on that line, which uh-huh. is great. Yeah. It gets people talking. Mm-hmm. I think that he says the Jedi, what, what does he say? The Jedi need to die. Is that, what he, is that what he says? No, uh, the Jedi must end. Jedi must end, thank you. Yes. The Jedi must end. I think that this is a yin-yang kind of thing, mm. where the Sith only exist because the Jedi exists, right? Mm-hmm. 
And there have always been Sith, there's always been Jedi. When the Jedi were at their most powerful, the Sith were really tiny. Mm-hmm. When the Sith were at their most powerful, the Jedi were really tiny. So mm-hmm. there's always been that give and take, but there's always been something mm-hmm. on the spectrum. Mm-hmm. And you can kind of look at it as a, as a comparison. What is it? The, like in a, the Avengers, where mm. they're like, well, or the Civil War, sorry. Okay. Civil War, where mm-hmm. Vision's like, ever since metahumans and the heroes came about, the number of world-ending catastrophes has... Escalation. Escalation, yeah, because mm-hmm. now the villains are having to up their game. Right. And you can kind of look at it the same way, where the Sith exists to counter the Jedi, and the Jedi exists to counter the Sith. Mm-hmm. And the way I'm interpreting that, which is probably going to be wrong, but it's just fun because I'm really into that good and evil, yin-yang kind of mm-hmm. style, mm-hmm. is the Jedi need to stop being that pure Jedi form. Mm. And then if that happens, the Sith won't have to be that pure evil form. Yeah. And then you can kind of shift away from that, those extremes mm-hmm. and you'll have those, the force users will merge into one giant pool of gray Jedi. That's what I'm hearing. That's, uh, your, that, that's, that's a lot one. of speculation I'm hearing. Yeah. 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 So I think they're trying to get away from those good and evil extreme and try to, be like, yeah, you can be a force user, but you can be good and do like you can be a normal dude. You don't have to be celibate. You don't have to give up your whole life to protect the republic that doesn't exist anymore. Right. You can just be a force user that does good things because you want to do good things, mm. and vice versa. Yeah. That's the way I see it, at least. Right on. Yeah. Do you have a different opinion? Uh, no, no. Um, that that makes sense to me, and uh, that's that's what I've been hearing, and um, especially uh, with the context of um, rebels. Okay. Apparently, a lot of the later season. Uh, stuff is kind of getting into that. Uh, like, um, Hoska? Is that her name? No, Ahsoka. Ahsoka. Oh, yeah. Anakin's, um, She's great. Padawan. Yeah. She's so good in, uh, Clone Wars. Yeah, apparently. Her character film was phenomenal. They did a great job with her. You'll see it when you finish the series. No, I think she's cool now, um, <laughs> so far. Oh, you need to see how she got there, though. Oh, right, right. you haven't even seen, because hmm. she was, she was still... I'm not gonna say anything. Okay, I don't want to spoil that. <laughs> just stick with it. But apparently, in uh, in Rebels, she's you know she comes back every now and then and um, has kind of abandoned uh, the Jedi Order. And okay. Apparently, she has a throwdown with Vader uh, at some point. I did see that clip on YouTube. Ah, I was giddy. I've not seen that. Long um, awaited. <laughs> you'll see. You need to keep watching Clone mm. Wars to see the background, the back, the history of that. Mm. It's, it's important. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Right on. Um, and, uh, yeah, anyway, um, so she abandons the Jedi Order. And apparently there's, like, white sabers and black sabers or something. Like, pure white, pure yeah. black. Yeah, uh, the, I forget the name of it, but the leader of the Mandalores, he had a black saber. Oh. I forget, I think it was called, like, Night Saber or something like that. But he mm. had a black lightsaber okay. in the Clone Wars. Ah, okay. See oh. I'm not sure if... I'm, I'm was, like, I think I'm still in, like, season two. Okay. I think it was, like, season three, you first, season two or three, you first see it. Interesting. But, yeah, so you see, you do see a black saber, but okay. it's, like, an antique. Ah. It's, like, an old school kind oh, of thing. Yeah, it's pretty neat. Okay. You'll see it. Yeah. Um, so, I'm saying all that to say, that kind of, the um, speculation is that kind of thing about her abandoning the Jedi Order kind of plays into what Luke is going to tackle, I guess. And there's hopes that there might be an Ahsoka can- uh, cameo or, or something like that. This, but doubtful. She would be old, man. Yeah, yeah. Because Luke wasn't even born yeah. in Rebels. Mm-hmm. Oh, no, Rebels he was born. But, like, in Clone mm. Wars, when she left, mm. he wasn't even born. Because Anakin was still Anakin. Yeah, he yeah. was still Anakin. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so, anyway, uh, should be fun. Looking forward to it. Looks like it might be kind of a downer, but a lot of fun. Well, that's kind of the way, that's kind of the, way the Star Wars go. You mm. start off strong with the first one, mm-hmm. and then the second one is usually... 
like like Empire Strikes Back, right? Kind of a downer. Mm-hmm. You have the Clone Wars or Attack of the Clones, where the war is breaking out. This mm-hmm. is a low point, mm-hmm. and you got to pick yourself back up with the third one. So yeah. it look, I, I would assume this is going to follow a similar trend. Yeah, yeah, that's what I'm hearing. So looking forward to it. It's going to be a good uh, movie holiday season. I'm looking forward to it. Yeah, love my movies. Absolutely. All right. Well, I guess I guess that's it. All right. Unless so for now, at least. For now, yes. Yeah, maybe we could do a Skype one later. I got to learn how to do that. Yeah. I got a bunch of people like uh, on or the mainland. If, or if you wander over to Virginia at some point, swing on by. Oh, hey, yeah. Will do. Will do. I'll be teaching history down in Culpeper area, oh, Virginia. Okay. Oh, you got a job? Yeah. Oh, okay. Because last time we talked about it, you were still looking, I think. Right? Oh, that's right. Yeah. Lead, before, yeah. Maybe. When I was on, I went home for about thirty-six days. Okay. Did all that traveling I mentioned earlier, and yeah. had a really good interview at Rappahannock County High School down in Virginia, right okay. outside the Shenandoah, and they made me an mm. offer, and I'll be teaching high school history down there. Nice. Starting in August. That's uh, Shen. Sh- that's pretty country. Mm, beautiful yeah. country. Yeah. Looking forward to. It. Very cool. Very cool. All right, well, um, I think we're going to try this new sign-off and try to have have you say it. Uh, No, I lost it. I can't think of anything. (laughs) Because, you know, my my favorite podcast is You Made It Weird, and they end it with a saying, a sign-off thing. And I want to come up with something, but I don't want to rip them off. Maybe maybe that's just it. Yeah. Yeah, can you end the podcast by saying, that's it, man. Check you later. That's it, man. Check you later. All right, check you later. All right, thanks for having me on. Thank you. Thank you.